Get your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Wednesday. It's a Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter, and that's how you do it, boys. That's how you do it. What? I'm, I'm watching the game last night. I'm thinking this is going to be the thing that turns it around. Tyler O'Neill, big double. Paul yeah. Goldschmidt singles in the winning run. And that, I put in my notes, is going to be the thing, Dan, that turns this entire season around. Uh, not quite. Uh, that was gut-wrenching. High drive. Uh, Center field. Why is Dwayne Kuyper tough? Was that from the night before? Or? Anthony, no, that, that was, was last, last night. night. Yeah. Yeah, that was last night, Anthony. Son of I turned the game off. I thought Did it was you really? done. Well, if Ryan Helsley comes in the game and is yeah, normally Ryan Helsley, it's over. But not last night. No this way is they're going to uh, blow this one. This is tough, man. It's tough to watch. It's a tough start for the club. This is the worst record to start a season for the Cardinals since 1960. Doing some numbers. You know I love numbers. 1960. So it gives you trends. And against winning teams so far, Anthony, they're 6-10. and 10. Against teams below 500, they they're 3-5. and five. So it's just the seventh time in franchise history they've been 9-15 and 15 for a team that expectations were pretty high. I mean, there are some years you walked into... If anybody's familiar with the 90s or some of the teams in the 70s of recent memory, that, uh, well, recent memory for old people like me, but if you sat there and watched those teams, you said, this ain't a very good team on opening day. Yeah. You just knew it. I can't say that about this team, but maybe I over-evaluated this team like a lot of people did around Major League Baseball. This may be who they are. So that's my question. It's my question to our listeners today. I'm sure many of you are ticked off. If the night before didn't break you, I'm sure last night certainly did. Blake Sable hits a two-run walk-off home run after the Cardinals had rallied in the top of the eighth for three runs. And I, in all seriousness, I did think to myself while watching it, okay, this could be the thing that turns you around. Could. Something like that where Tyler O'Neill comes up, the much maligned Tyler O'Neill comes up in a big spot in the top of the eighth, Dan, and he hits a double that ties the game at two. And then one of your top players, Paul Goldschmidt, one of the top guys making the most money, the guy that you're, you know, obviously MVP last year, the guy that you want in that spot to be up, one of them at least, 
he comes through as well. He hits an absolute piss rocket that Brandon Crawford, at one point, one of the top defensive shortstops in the game, still a very good defensive shortstop. That was a tough play. Yeah. Couldn't handle. Not an error. I mean, that was that was an absolute rocket. Yep. They so, initially ruled that an error. I mean. And changed it. I, I don't know why they would do infield, that. 110 infield off the bat. An infield drawn in. It's not like he was back and kicked it. But Paul Goldschmidt delivers. That is that is one of those games, again, where you say to yourself, now you, now you turn it around. And Ryan Helsley coughs it up in the ninth. He had some help. Tommy Edmond being one of them. But he... He hangs the slider to Blake Sable, an eighth eighth place hitter, who is just, I mean, he, he's a minor league kind of journeyman uh, that got him off of waivers from some team. Joey Bard is supposed to be their guy, but he, he really, the prospect that has just failed. And Blake Sable, of all, of all guys, comes up and hits the two-run shot off of your closer in the ninth. I've always said that if I got 100 in the tank or 101, which Helsley hit last night, I'm going down with 101. Right. And Sable said after the game that he noticed that the relievers were pounding off-speed pitches all night and was sitting slider down to his last strike. So he was sitting on it. Ryan Helsley, 14 pitches thrown in the ninth, only four fastballs. I don't understand that. And uh, I understand that guys are probably sitting fastball. We were talking in the office about the Brandon Crawford at bat. He was sitting two and one and sold out with a pitch. There is no chance in the world anybody would hit. It was 101 up in the zone in on his hands. Well, it tells you two and one. He's saying, okay, I'm getting a fastball. I'm going for it. But I don't understand if I'm Ryan Helsley, how I'm, I'm going down with a slider yeah. or an off-speed pitch. I got 101 in the tank. I'm going after that. And Helsley, there's some trends with him compared to last year. Again, early. Trends can change. But strikeout rate has dropped. And the walks are up by a batter per nine. And that, to me, is very surprising. The other part that's surprising from last night and the night before, Tommy Edmond committing errors. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's a gold glove defender, especially if you put him at second base and he was playing there every day. But the error in the, the seventh in game one, and all of a sudden, last night, Edmund in the ninth after what should have been the third out. Sable, the two-run homer. The bullpen had three and a third, three runs, all unearned. We mentioned it last night or yesterday. The Cardinals have committed nine errors. And now I believe that is ten unearned runs on those errors. They're costly. They're coming at the terrible times in the games. And when you're not playing good baseball, it seems to be amplified. And that's what we're seeing right now. Nothing clicking right now for the Cardinals. No, at all. Nothing. So here's here's my question. We'd love to get your participation today because this is one of those days where you you vent, vent, be ticked off. We we showed some anger and frustration yesterday, but also kind of mixed with just looking at looking at things that they could they could do to turn things around. Today might just be a vent session. My question though is this: Are you to the point where you're still, even if it's just a tiny bit are you still like well the reputation would leave lead us to believe that they're still going to be in the mix in the nl central by the end of the year it sucks i'm not happy about it i'm frustrated but are you still saying to yourself given the track record in the history of this this club this organization i'm still anticipating a turnaround or are you more in line with I know what I'm seeing. 
and this is not a good team. I would say there's a turnaround, but I'm not sure the turnaround is to the point that we thought this is going to be the team that we thought going into the season. I don't think you can lose as as much as they have and be this bad of a team. I, I don't believe that. Now, what I also believe is maybe they're not as good as I thought they were. So maybe somewhere in between. You know, they're, they're off to a terrible start. Only the A's, the Royals, have a worse record. The A's are 5-19. and 19. The Royals are 6-18. and 18. Everybody in the American League East is above 500. In the National League, Nats are 8-14. and 14. Rockies 8-17. and 17. Then it's the Cardinals and the Reds. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just didn't anticipate it. I, I can understand slow starts. It happens with every organization at some point in time after playing so many years and decade after decade. I don't think they're this bad, but I don't know if they're as good as we thought. I'm with you, Dan. When I'm when I'm watching this team, they're first of all, I don't think they do anything great. And if you're going to be a team that's got some flaws, like the Cardinals, we knew that the flaw was the top of the rotation is not going to be dominant. Ace-like, one-two punch, they didn't have that. So to try to invent invent that, it it, it was going to be moot. You're gonna you were gonna have to add somebody at the deadline to get over the hump if somebody was going to be there. Yeah. So we knew that there was flaws coming in, but there were certain things that you can hang your hat on. The offense looked great in spring training. The pieces were in place. Defensively, you knew it was going to be good. And the pitch, the the back of the bullpen. And I'll just speak for myself. I thought the back of the bullpen in key spots, you're good. Plus with guys like Andre Pallante, you're going to be fine there. But yes. through, through however many games, Dan... None of that is true. What's perplexing to me has been the defense. And guys are going to go cold. Unfortunately for the Cardinals, Arenado and Goldie have been cold here at the start of the season. And that gets amplified. If this is happening in June and the team is winning, you probably don't talk much about it. But you look at why teams are struggling. Those two guys are struggling. The outfield as a core is struggling. You had not gotten very good starting pitching for the better part of the season. You look at the defense, and last year they had 32 unearned runs allowed, fewest in the league. And I mentioned 10. It's nine now, and we're not even through the first month of the season. I thought they would be stealing bases a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Fourth best on base percentage. They're not stealing. And that's a byproduct of always falling behind and waiting for some damage to be done you don't, you don't want to risk the the fact that you know you get a guy on first you have a two-run homer all of a sudden he gets thrown out and becomes a solo home run and speaking of home runs they're not hitting him so they're getting guys on but they're just not hitting home runs this game is based on power and they're not showing that they have the power right now i think it can change i mean o'neill should be better goldie should be better arenado should be better but it's got to start i mean tommy edmund has four home runs it's combined with Arenado and Goldie have right you know I it's just it's kind of perplexing to, to, to see this start and what will be really interesting is to watch tonight after a devastating loss and I always say momentum in baseball is next day starting pitcher well your starting pitcher tonight is Steven Matz hmm. hasn't looked good so this is kind of dire times right now for the Cardinals as they limp towards the finish line of April no doubt about it for some reason our team is just under some bad mojo I don't know what's going on, but it's bad mojo. Thank you, Janet. And she summed it up right now. And we saw a shot uh, from...
from the television when the team lost last night. Look at the bullpen, guys. They're stoic. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? This happened again? Ollie's at the end of the dugout watching the players and the coaching staff go by, and his job is to, to keep this thing together some way, somehow. But there were some long faces. I mean, yep. you get walked off in the game of baseball over 162, and, yeah, there's frustration. You get into the clubhouse. You get something to eat. You go back to the hotel, and, and you know, you forget about it. I just see a team that's really tight. Mm-hmm. If Tommy Edmond is making errors in back-to-back games, they're probably playing tight. And when you had one of the best in the business last year on the mound to win the game and didn't, it's like, oh, man. And the way things are going. Now, if the, the script was flipped and they're 15-9 and nine and you lost that game, you go, ah, it happens. Right. But they needed that win last night and didn't get it. No, not at all. That's yep. Dan McLaughlin. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. 214, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We'll be hitting the Cardinals most of the show today. But we do want your participation. View Dan and I as uh, maybe some therapists yeah. for today for you. We'll listen. We'll listen to the, the event. Uh, in, in extreme extreme cases, um, you know, I'll remind everybody uh, that's a Cardinals fan, welcome to hell. Dan and I will be your tour guide. Okay? Dan and I will <laughs> be your tour bad? guide. Uh, yeah. You think so? Yes. I take a more patient approach, but I do I think it's bad? Yeah. Do I think it's like dire straits? Mm, not there yet. I'm edging closer to that. But yeah, it's a bad start. I think it's real bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're just... Well, we'll get into it. Okay. We'll talk more about the Cardinals' loss, not only last night, but the, where this team is right now. How bad is it? And our mic drop theme of the day. Are you still in the camp, even if you have a one one toe in that camp, of the reputation is what it is for a reason, and at some point, I don't know how, but they're going to turn this thing around? Or are you saying... I know what I'm seeing right now. It's not good baseball. Your mic drops next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey, guys. Happy Wednesday. Of course, I'm not happy about how they're playing, but Anthony, to your question, yeah, I have hope. I mean... And I hope that all of you that are big Marmol fans, I I don't think he's got enough experience to write this ship, but I sure hope he does because I want them to win. But what is driving me back crazy is the sloppy frickin' play. I'm not talking. Okay, yeah, runners in scoring position. That won't win. If you don't figure it out, you're going to lose. You're going to lose in October especially because they have. But sloppy play, is it coming because they're moving all around? Is Edmund all of a sudden can't catch and throw because he's getting moved around? I don't know. That was Lisa who left us a mic drop. Thank you, Lisa. Hope you're having a great day outside of the, the Cardinals' loss last night. With Dan McLaughlin filling in for Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. And Dan, and Dan, I I thought what you said, the, the key word of what you said in the first segment was expectations. Our expectations were that this team was going to win the NL Central, and then we'll talk we gotta talk about the pitching because the pitching is going to be the thing that's gonna either propel them or keep them behind or keep them back if they don't make a move. But the conversation kind of started for us in the postseason. Not anymore. The conversation now is, what's wrong with this team? What? How can they dig out of it? And do you believe that a turnaround is just simply going to come? Because they're the Cardinals, and they do have a talented roster. But when it comes to what Lisa said, the sloppy play, you would expect that 
if the expectations were that it was going to be a losing season. I don't know if anybody had any expectation ever, as a Cardinals fan that's currently living and breathing, that the team was going to play sloppy. It's just not their MO. No, it's not. And we talked about that in the the previous segment with the unearned runs as compared to last year. To me, that is an example of a team that's playing very tight. You know, a team that plays tight late in games, you commit errors. Um, The other fact that they have right now not going for them is that that was the fifth game decided by one run. Cardinals are one in four in one-run games. Only Houston has been below them in that category. Houston is 0-3. And here's you, you started this by saying pitching. I don't know if it's the Molina effect or if it's just one of those things, but the Cardinals pitching has been horrific with two strikes. Mm-hmm. They get two strikes on the opponent, and normally they would bury, not all the time, but bury that hitter. Right now the average against them is 204. Second worst in Major League Baseball when they get two strikes against the opposition. The slug is the second worst against them. Now, if you look at 2019 through 22, think about this. The average is 204 against them. 219 through 22, it was 163 with two strikes. Eighth best in baseball. Sixth best in slug. Something is there that is missing. What is happening with two strikes? And they've got to figure that out. You put people away with two strikes, you win. Last night's a good example. They had two strikes multiple times on hitters and did not put them away. So there's something there, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but is it Molina? I don't know. Could be. Is it uh, Contreras? Could be. Is it the pitching staff isn't as good as we thought? Could be. But that trend has got to stop because if you put people away with two strikes – you reduce the inning, you reduce scoring chances, and you give yourself a chance to win. Mm-hmm. That's something that's kind of baffling me so far in this first month of the season. I always look at numbers and trends, and that is a trend that is disturbing for me. Well, it's you're right, Dan. It's, it's lack of execution. Maybe it's pitch pitch selection. We saw Jordan when Jordan Hicks was struggling. We're talking about the fact that he threw, and I forget which, which at-bat it was, I think it was the McCut- it was the McCutcheon at bat from the from the Pittsburgh series, where he threw he threw McCutcheon the same damn pitch eight times. Yeah, and McCutcheon eventually said, uh, "All right, I'll just go ahead and deposit this next one into the bleachers." Last night, I thought you you brought up a a very astute point about Ryan Helsley not trusting the fastball. Maybe this is a Contreras thing. Maybe could be. You know, people have brought this up. Maybe it's pitch selection. Maybe it's Contreras knows that there, you know, in Jordan Hicks's case, it's 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 a feel thing. I don't know, but there is something to not being able to put put opponents away when you do have the two strikes. Cardinals have the fourth worst save percentage right now in baseball. Fourth worst. So you start looking at these numbers. They're not stealing bases, they're not putting people away. Defense hasn't been very good. Now, the on-base percentage has, but the the thing, the negative things I'm pointing out are major things. Mm-hmm. And if you don't correct those, it's going to be this kind of season for many, many months where they're going to frustrate themselves, have a chance to win some games, but can't put teams away. Um, I, I just go back to last night, I, I and maybe I'm wrong about this, and I've been wrong plenty of times, but 101 in the tank, and you get a curve, three straight sliders, and then all of a sudden, out of the... 14 pitches thrown in the ninth, only four fastballs. 
Now, I understand that teams are going to be looking at a fastball because he throws 101, start their swing early probably, mm-hmm. sit on a fastball. But uh, I, I if I'm – I got to go down like that. If I'm yeah. going down, I'm going down with 101 and tip my cap. I'm not going down with a hanging slider or hanging curveball. Seriously. Oh, I'm, I'm just not. You're sitting fastball? Okay, 101. Here, Here you go. Here it is. 101. Go get it. it and, and the pitch that you would you had referenced before that Crawford swung at was out of the zone. Exactly. Because so, he's 2-1 and one in the count, and he's thinking, here comes a fastball, and I'm, yeah. I'm going to gear up early, and one way or another, I'm swinging. Right. And that happens a lot with the guys that throw 101 and 102. Certainly. Because you can't – I mean, it's a split second to make that choice to say, I'm going after 101. Oh, I see it out of his hand. Now I'm swinging. No, mm-hmm. it's – a lot of times, guys guess, and uh, I, I I just can't put my finger on it, man. It's it's been one of those odd seasons so far. It's it's everything. Yeah, it's everything so far. It is. It's everything we've talked about. You had mentioned the two strikes. We've talked about the inability. And last night, you actually did it in the eighth. And when I thought, okay, well, maybe this again, this is going to be something that turns turns the ship around. But runners in scoring position has been a huge problem. Two, two-thirds, if not three-fifths of your – two-thirds. I mean, two-fifths or three-fifths of your starting rotation has been bad. Not average. Not below expectations. Bad. Mm-hmm. The, the bullpen has not been great at times. Think about the it's outfield. Everything. You know, you, you thought this is a very talented outfield and guys are going to be fighting for spots right now to get in that lineup. And it's supposed to be a talented group, but the Cardinals have to get more from them. Newpar, Walker – uh, O'Neal, Carlson, Burleson has really quieted down. Since April 11th, he's hitting below 200. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals outfielders right now are 15th in the league in OPS. So don't look at average, even though I just brought it up. OPS is where it's at, on-base plus slug. League average is 735, and the the league average is about the middle of the pack in what they're generating runs per game. But you're anticipating that Tyler O'Neill, in a big year for him personally, would bust out. You thought you thought if Walker's making this team, they're seeing he's the real deal, which I do believe he is, even though he's been sitting here. Because they, they got to be careful with a 20-year-old. You can't bury him at the major league level. If they're seeing that he's not going to have success or a bad matchup, that's why he sits. Yeah. You're going to pick and choose your spots until he gets it right and makes the adjustment and gets back in there. newbar has been fine. But uh, Carlson, what are you getting out of Dylan Carlson right now? Four hits in 30-plus at-bats. The last 30-plus, uh, what, 31-32 that he's been at the plate. It's a talented group on paper, but you got to show it. And right now, collectively, that's been a real problem for the Cardinals. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We'll continue to get, let you leave us mic drops. We appreciate it. We want to hear from you. Do you still believe that the turnaround is coming based on the reputation, based on the talent that they do have, all sporadic, the talent that's on the roster? Or are you leaning on, and I'm I'm more in this camp, are you leaning on this? I'm watching this. This is not how you win baseball games. And there's nothing right now to say the turnaround is coming anytime soon. And if you get too far behind, I hate to be morose, but you get too, too far behind – you're not seemingly the NL Central is not the dumpster fire that we all believed it was going to be either. So, which camp are you in? Leave us a mic drop. We'll continue to take your mic drops. Plus, we've got what's trending next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half-price Cardinals ticket voucher. 
Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter. We got Danny Mack filling in for Jamie Rivers, who's in Mexico right now. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, I mentioned in the Sports Center update, City SC with a 5 1 victory. They actually ended up setting the attendance record yeah. for most fans at a third round match in the U.S. Open Cup with 22,423. So, even on a Tuesday night, City fans are showing up at the at the pitch or at the at the park. You know what surprises me is why this took so long for this to happen. I, I think anybody that followed soccer and was invested into the sport here in St. Louis, their children played, boys and girls love playing soccer. Anthony, you have little kids. I'm sure they're going to get involved in soccer. My kids are involved in soccer. It's just what you do. And there's been such a rich history. I mean, a great history of soccer here in St. Louis. Why did it take this long for this to happen now you could say there was some forces pulling against them in terms of you needed a a big dollar family to come in and say we're willing to finance this i get it but mls should have been and i don't know if they were behind the scenes but they should have been pushing for this a long time ago because what they're getting back in return is really something that has not been seen in major league soccer across the board in the united states it's just incredible it's great it shows how important it is to the city of st louis do you know dan when the mls decides to expand i mean was it was that a process too where they just didn't consider i don't know st louis because they weren't considering expansion i it, well it was there was an original group that tried to get it done after the rams left right. and i think the appetite locally in government was like hey we we got burned we don't want to be a part of this you know we got the blues we we got college teams you got the cardinals and the appetite just wasn't quite there it was also a different scenario with some publicly financed uh, money going behind it but when you had the taylor step up and jim cavanaugh step up and the the worldwide technology group um and they said hey we're willing to to build this and it's going to come at our costs it's going to come out of our pockets and covid while it was great in terms of what it was awful, but in terms of what they needed, because they were going to be having to to start this pretty pretty quickly, it gave them time to kind of regroup mm-hmm. and make sure everything, all their T's were crossed, I's dotted, and they did it right. I, I just I don't know if people at MLS, and I'm not talking about Don Garber, the commissioner. I mean, all of them fully understood how this city gets behind sports and in particular how they would get behind soccer i'll be honest and i'm not just trying to say this because oh i knew it i knew this is what it would be it's been beyond what i thought but i knew they'd be packing that place and there'd be an excitement and a buzz and it's going to continue for a long time whether the team is good or not fans are excited those that really are invested in the sport that soccer is here and they'll live and die with that and i think that's cool guys aaron Rodgers was uh officially announced as the Jets quarterback and during his little press conference he said that he is not a savior of any kind as he tries to end that franchise 54 year Super Bowl drought and he said about the Super Bowl the only Super Bowl trophy that they have that it looks lonely I found that ironic uh, coming from Aaron Rodgers because he only has one Super Bowl absolutely <laughs> yeah Joe Joe Namath and Aaron Rodgers both have the same amount of Super Bowls. I also thought it was interesting that he said that he's just going to focus on this season when asked about his long-term plans with the Jets. And he has 
Every right to say that, Dan. He wants to go year by year. That's fine. He's he's earned it. But I thought that was interesting. If you're the Jets and you don't get him beyond one year, do you pull the trigger on that deal? Does he put you over the top to win a Super Bowl? Because it's like in any sport. If you said, I got to the trade deadline, I'm going to give up young prospects or young players, and I'm going to get this guy. He's the X factor for us to win a championship. Mm -hmm. Is Aaron Rodgers that guy for the Jets in just one year? No. So they better hope that he's there for multiple seasons. Absolutely. But I would th- don't you think they get a guarantee from him at some point and say, behind the scenes, hey, man, we're going to pull the trigger on this. We're going to get you out of a situation you don't like. But wink, wink, you're going to give us a couple of years. They could try. They could try. I don't know. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers, though, is going to, going to commit to any team beyond what he's comfortable. I yeah. mean, let's, let's, not re- let's not forget, Dan. He went into the darkness retreat. <laughs> All jokes aside, and thought to himself, and he admitted this on the Pat McAfee show, he thought about retiring. He said he was, I, I forget what the, what the percentage was. It was but, a 90-10. Okay, there was 90-10. Lean, he was leaning retirement. And then he said he emerged from the darkness, Bane style, and was told that the Packers were like talking trash. Well, they don't want me anymore. Right. What? He wanted attention. Of course. He wasn't going to retire. He wanted to be wanted. And I think that's what he got. He got the attention he wanted. Yeah. Well, he, good luck with that give attention. Give me my respect. I hate it when players... I need my respect. Mm-hmm. You, you got re- your respect on the, the first and the 15th of every <laughs> no month. Kidding. No kidding. There's <laughs> your respect. Quiet. Yeah. But no, I don't think... I don't think for, for a record... I don't think any team is one player away from winning a Super Bowl, an NBA Finals Championship, a Stanley Cup... Or a World Series trophy. They're just a major piece. It's a major piece. Does he make them significantly better at the most important position on the planet? Yes, he does. I saw somebody that tailed off as well a year ago. And weapons, somebody that Anthony, looked, gotta have those oh, weapons. Boy. It's amazing to me, and I know you're joking, but it's amazing to me that I'm trying to get you going. Every other quarterback is like, you don't win by yourself, you son of a... Aaron Rodgers, a guy didn't have weapons. Why do why do we put it, put him in bubble wrap his career? They kept uh, he didn't have weapons. He didn't have enough wide receivers. How many receivers? You got one football. You need fourteen wide receivers. So who's he have in New York? Garrett Wilson, the offensive rookie of the year, and uh, his best friend in the whole wide world, Alan Lazard. Yeah, which is funny to me too. It's ironic. Randall put, Cobb was his best friend. I bet he puts up big numbers. He's his second best friend. Think, I bet he does. Yeah, gotta have. Got to have the Joes and not just the X's and O's. Look at you. You never heard that, have you? <laughs> I think huh? I have. I think I have. I just made that not up. Not from you. I like that. <laughs> I just made it up. No, it is funny, though. You look at it's the, the same people that were saying, well, you know, he never had never had receivers in Green Bay. And then in the same breath, they're like, yeah. Jets, Jets got Alan Lazard. That's a, that's a big-time ad. He was in Green Bay. I right. thought he didn't have any weapons. I bet he puts up numbers. There's still something there. Okay. You don't think so. I don't think the Jets are a Super Bowl contender. By the way, I don't really care either. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a tougher division now, too. <laughs> He's in a tougher conference. Yeah, for sure. Wanted right. to be wanted. Yeah, that's right. The, the attention yes. seeker. He's going to get it in New York. There's yeah. no question about that. No question about that. All right. All right. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals, the frustrations. The mic drops. We ask for your mic drops. What do you want to gripe about? What do you want to vent? I shouldn't say gripe. What do you want to vent about Come today? Come on, Janet. 
You can vent about anything, and there's plenty to. If you want to go one specific route with the Cardinals, great. I think we got a mic drop coming up that wants to talk about the offseason, or lack thereof, for the Cardinals. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey guys, where I'm at on the Cardinals is that I feel like they got to be better than they are right now just strictly because of the fact of Goldschmidt and Arenado. You would think them on just any team, they could at least be 500. But I think it may not be as good as we thought because a lot of the ifs that we were talking about at the beginning of the season are not coming true. If Tyler O'Neill does good, he hasn't. If Dylan Carlson is good, he isn't. So I just think there's a lot of ifs that aren't coming true, but I still think there's got to be more to this team strictly because of Goldschmidt and Arenado. That's where I'm at, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for leaving us a mic drop. You can leave us a mic drop, too, on the 101 ESPN Sports app. Leave us a mic drop. We're talking about the Cardinals. Whatever you want to vent about, whatever you want to discuss, maybe. And at some point, Dan, I want to play narrative or reality with you because I've read through, just like you, some of the narratives that are coming out this season. And I'm not saying anybody's wrong or not with their ideas on why the Cardinals are struggling right now. I don't think it's one thing. But we'll play narrative or reality. But I think one of the narratives is that the we and and you you would discuss this a little bit earlier. We overhyped the team a little bit. The expectations were a little a little too high. I think it can change too. The, you know, I I do think it can change. It's a it's a brutal start for this club. And as the mic drop said, I think it was Ben. Mm-hmm. A lot of truth to what he's saying. I mean, Goldie and Arenado, I don't think are going to be at this level for the remainder of the season. It's been interesting, though, in breaking down what's happening with Arenado. Um, his last 10 games, his strikeout rate is like 35%. He's hitting 139. And what he's doing, his chase percent is at 37. That's really high for him. Wow. Normally, he's not doing that. So maybe he's not picking up the ball. Maybe he's jumpy, which he always is in the box, but jumpy in a bad way. And he's trying to to do everything, hit the five-run homer, putting pressure on himself. That's something that I see. The other one that's interesting is during this road trip, teams are going after Goldie. Hmm. He's had about 55% of the pitches are inside the zone. And that's interesting for a guy that is a you know an MVP last year. They're going after him. So I do think things with those two guys will even out, and they will win games by themselves at times. You know, Goldie's going to walk into a three-run homer. Arenado's going to drive in two. You got five runs. You win the game. Yeah. But when those two big guys aren't clicking at the same time, it's magnified. And so that's been a problem. We talked about the outfield. The pitching has been suspect. You, you had a win in your grasp last night. It's just the way things are going. But uh, Goldie and Arenado have to be Goldie and Arenado for this team to win. They really do. And the, the we've talked about the lack of power. Well, one of the reasons why you hit home runs is what, obviously the exit velocity has got to be there, the launch angle and all that. But you got to barrel balls. Yeah. And right now you talk about Arenado. We we'll just we'll just stick with him. His barrel percentage is way down. So he's he's either expanding his strike zone. He's chasing, as you mentioned. Or he's swinging at bad pitches. And for him to have a, a barrel percentage, one of the worst on the team. In fact, Alec Burleson has sunk, too, in that regard. 
you're not you're you're not going to have that power. Yeah, I mean, you you look at what he's done, and again, I I go to numbers. I know numbers can be boring, but they also tell the story. And I looked at the end zone percentage right now for Nolan Arenado. So not chasing, and what he's been able to do, forty six percent even the last couple of years. And you look at what he's doing now, and it's not even close. Yeah. And his hard hit percentage way down. So it tells you that this guy's out of whack. Now, he's such a good player, and the track record is there. You figure some of that stuff evens out. Sure. But, again, it's magnified when you are going like the Cardinals are going. If this happens in June and the Cardinals are 15 games up, you just say, ah, the guy's in a rut, he's in a slump, no big deal. They're still winning games, and he's providing great defense, and that's allowing you to win some of these games. Right. But when you see him chasing like this, that tells me that's a guy that's is trying to do too much when he normally doesn't do all that much of, of chasing. And then you look at, like, Tommy Edmond making errors. That, that doesn't make sense. Well, like you said, they're tight. Yeah, they're just playing tight. Yeah. And I can understand it. This is the worst start they've had in a long, long time. You know, 9-15 and 15 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. First time since the 60s, 1960. So, you, you know, as a team, you feel that. Yeah. And especially when you had a game, in, it was there to win last night. It was there, and you lose it, and it's like, uh-oh, here we go again. And that does permeate with a club. Certainly. And the other thing, the other factor here, too, is that when you, like yesterday with, with BT, I had brought up this the collection of talent is good. I don't, I, I don't think that, when you have, and this goes back to Ben's mic drop, Paul, when you have Paul Goldschmidt and you have Nolan Arenado, the hardware, the the resume that those guys have, if you want to expand it out a little bit, two teams asked for Lars Newbar in a trade for a catcher this offseason. The Cardinals held on to him. Jordan Walker, young but talented. Nolan Gorman, young but talented. The talent is there. Now, I I had misspoke and said the the independent contractors i didn't mean and bt rightfully said look I, i'm not seeing that i didn't mean that the, that they're playing for themselves it, yeah i'm not me i right. don't mean that what i mean is the collection of talent is there but they haven't come together yet as a team right and however they can do that they they need to figure that out but the talent is there so you look at the, you look at it and you take a step back you say okay well what what could be missing I don't think it's just it's just one thing, but to, but to go back to your point about they're tight. Nolan Arenado cares. Goldschmidt cares. Tommy Edmond cares. There's all these are all professionals, but when you're not playing well, it's hard to be loose within a clubhouse, and I think that kind of permeates. Let me ask you this, and I, I do see a trend going in the right direction. Not great, but something that is improved. It only really could go up, and it's starting pitching. I think their starting pitching has gotten better. Woodford was good last night. Hasn't been great, but it's given you some chances to win games. Offense, not great at times. And all of a sudden you say, okay, we're going to have to win these one-run games. Well, they're one in four in those. So if they get better starting pitching or even where they're at, much better, these games turn around very quickly, Mm -hmm. even if you have an offense at times that is suspect. And you'll have those games where you bust out offensively and they're, they're laughers in there. But right now, to your point, cohesiveness in where everything is clicking. Guy gives you six. Bullpen gives you three shutout. You get a couple of runs up on the board, you win the game. Certain guys in the middle of the lineup perform at the track record they've been at. The outfield, I don't think, is this bad as they've been collectively, offensively, especially after the first series. They're not that bad. 
So I, I do think that there are trends that will take you in the right direction. Again, though, is it the direction that you thought, which was to be a first-place team? And time will tell. Time will tell. That's Dan McLaughlin and Anthony Stalter. We're taking your mic drops throughout the course of the day. We have a question slash comment from Adam that we'll get to next. And it's about a certain individual that continues to receive plenty of con- plenty of criticism. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey guys, I have a hard time buying that it's a coincidence that the worst month to start a season in 40 plus years is also the same first month of Ali Marmol's management without a tenured coaching staff behind him. Uh, He lost all his guys. Uh, Matt Holiday came in and stayed for about 10 minutes and then left. And I think you have to start looking at this could be the issue here. It's just too much of a coincidence that this month that we're having is his first month as the most tenured coach in the clubhouse. Okay, so some clarification here. That was Adam who left us a mic drop. Adam, we appreciate it. Interesting thought. Let's clarify something, and then we can get into the Ali conversation. Okay. Go Dan, ahead. the their their bench coach Joe McEwen. It, he's he is tenured. He is somebody that's been around is, forever. Yes, so he does have a an experienced bench coach. Now, some of the other assistants that he has, yes, they they're they're inexperienced as well. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but go ahead. Well, because there's some that I could see where you're going to go with this, like sure. the pitching coach Dusty Blake in that particular role, because he was with the Cardinals last year and he had done a lot of behind the scenes. He was at Duke, I believe it was Duke, and was their pitching coach. And his um, his role was a lot about game plan design, right? And so now, and he's also very in tune with the analytics, where Mike Maddox was. Kind of old school, but would mix in both. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to. I don't want to take away that Mike wouldn't listen to analytics or it, you know use that as a tool because he did. Um, Turner Ward, who's the hitting coach, so you're talking about the major coaches here. Turner Ward is a ton of experience, and believe me, it was by design that they went out and got him last year to to work with Goldie and Arenado because Goldie had him in Arizona. So, and Arenado knew him quite well, and they wanted him. And Turner Ward played in the big leagues, too. Pop Warner has been around forever. He goes back to the days of George Kissel and was a player. Matter of fact, when I was back in 1999, he was traveling with us as a coach because they knew he finished up his playing career in 98, had him go with the Cardinals and travel in 1999 under Tony La Russa because they knew this guy was going to be a long-term coach and a lifer for the Cardinals, and he's turned into that, managed a bunch in the minor leagues. Stubby Clapp led Memphis to a couple of championships, played in the major leagues. He's been around forever. Uh, Joe McEwing, you talked about. Turner Ward. I mean, these are guys that, uh, and I guess if you want to go apples to apples, the one guy that doesn't have a lot of experience that was here the last couple of years was Jeff Albert Mm -hmm. in terms of major league experience as being a player. So that's one guy that you're talking about in the coaching staff. And Ali led this team to 93 wins last year. They're just off to a bad start. It happens. Yeah. 
It happens, and that's what's going on right now. Well, Turner, let's just let's go back to Turner Ward too. For those that don't know, and I, and look, I, this is this is clarification more than any sort of crushing of Adam's thought here. And we will get to Ollie, but Turner Ward in 2013 was the assistant hitting coach for Arizona, Arizona as you yep. mentioned, Dan, under Gold with Goldie. In 2016, he was the hitting coach for the Los Angeles Dodgers, yep. not the assistant, the the hitting coach. That was a 91-win team for the Dodgers that scored 725 runs. They didn't, they didn't lead the league or anything like that. But this is this is somebody to your point, Dan, and Turner Ward that has that has a ton of experience and instant credibility, having played in the league. Also, just part of it, a hitting coach for the Reds in 2018. Uh, he's got experience, so it's not an inexperienced staff. It just n- might not be. Guys that you you think of are whole you know uh, household names. It's or, not Willie McGee, yeah, and he's but, on that staff. But look, when it comes to Ollie, and I get I get the criticism because you do go to the top. He's culpable. It's not all him. It can't be. This is largely an individual sport. He no, he doesn't he doesn't throw a pitch. He doesn't take abs. He doesn't field ground balls. He does not call plays yeah. like, a, like an, a head coach would. The thing, though, that will come down on a manager, and this is the, the part that you have to remember, there, there's so much strategy in the game of when to take that starter out, when to go to your bullpen, when to pinch hit, lineup construction, and that falls on him with the collective group having a say. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, though, he's the one that puts it in pen and says, here you go, umpire, here's my guys, here's right. my nine guys. Um so that's why you, you do get a lot of criticism, and I know Ali really, really well. He actually welcomes it. He's like, you want, you want to come at me? That's fine. You know, there's going to be times that you get testy with the media. Every manager does. I haven't seen one that doesn't. Honestly, I was trying to think of a guy that did not get testy with the media, and I'm sure the text line maybe can help me. But Ali, you know, understands the role of what's happening now and understands it's his job to figure it out. He doesn't mind the criticism. It's part of the job. You mm-hmm. sign up for it. You know it's coming. And especially in a baseball craze city like this where, hell, we, we play the lineup game. Mm-hmm. I mean, lineups yeah, right. are, are you know magnified in this town more so than other places, which is great. But he understands that that's part of the job. And mm-hmm. I think he does welcome the fact that, you know what, hey, this is part of it. I got to do it. I got to put out what I think is the best lineup, win, lose, or draw, and yep. I'll, I'll have to live with it. Yep. And he can. He's in a leadership role, and leadership is responsibility. And yet he's got to build trust by leading and build trust by using, you know, his authentic self, which I'm sure just two years in, maybe to Adam's point here about inexperience, two years in might be might be a bit of a challenge. But he's got to build relationships. He's got to develop real relationships. He's got to be a great listener. He's got to be somebody that is going to, uh, you know, believe in his team, but also with a critical eye to know that he's not just rolling out a player or using a player that that is struggling. He's got to take the temperature of the clubhouse every single day. He's got to know the injury history. I mean, there there's a lot going on. The bottom line, though, is that the Cardinals are sitting here at, what's the record, 9-15 and 15 at the bottom of the NL Central, 
and he's the manager. So, the, as you noted, Dan, that criticism is going to come. And a lot of his job, too, is to make sure the players believe in what he's doing and the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. You can't lose the players. And I can tell you right now, he hasn't lost the players. He hasn't. I mean, I, I know a lot of people around there. I still talk to a lot of people. He hasn't lost the players. There's a lot of respect for Ali, and the reason why is because he is so upfront and honest with his players. may not see it in the media, but behind closed doors, believe me, he's going to get after Anthony Stalter and say, look, man, here's the expectations of what we think you can be, and you need to feel that way too, and you need to live up to those expectations, and if you don't, you're going to sit. And right now, when you say, well, Dan, you know, there's got to be some guys that sit – I would come back and counter and say, okay, what are the alternatives? Who do you want in the outfield? Guys are struggling. Yeah. You know, your alternatives aren't great right now. So they got to figure it out. And I, I, I think they will. But again, I, I, I don't think they're this bad of a team. I just wonder if they're not the team that maybe we thought going into spring training or coming out of spring training. We're Vassar, your mic drops. Let's hear another one. Here's Brian. Hey, guys. I'm in the camp where I want to believe that something is going to turn this around. Baseball season is my favorite time of the year. I enjoy watching it, and I enjoy watching it in the fall, hopefully. <laughs> but I think there has to be something that wakes them up. There has to be a, a shake-up. And I know you can't do a trade of, you know, you can't really rely on a trade this time of the year. But a call-up, a send-down... I don't know if it's gotten to the point where you want to fire somebody. Maybe not the main manager, maybe somebody else. I don't know. You know, it's just baffling to watch them, but they need they need basically somebody to walk up and slap them in the face and say, what are you doing? They should have gotten an outfielder with experience, but that's hindsight and that's just my opinion. But I'm in there hoping they turn it around and get through. Thanks, guys. I understand Brian's feelings on this. When you can't pinpoint what the actual issue is, making a move to make a move could have larger ramifications. It could it could bite you more than than you think. Is I, I get it. It's reaction, right? We got to do something. We got to do something. Could lead to your next mistake. To his point, I think if you're the manager, and we talk about having a stable lineup, well, one of the things he can do is shake up the lineup. And you've seen a lot of different lineups being thrown out there because of matchups or what they see with a guy, you know, here's his swing plane, this guy throws sinkers, okay, this is a good matchup for this particular day. No one is run away with a spot outside of the main guys that are going to be in there every day. And also to his point, and I think it's valid, you're not going to make trades right now. You're not going to fire Ali. Ali. You're, just, you're not doing that unless he does something incredibly dumb that would embarrass the organization or something. I mean, that that's not going to happen. So what happens is, do you go to your minor leagues and is Matthew Liberator somebody that you bring up and say, okay, we're going to put him in the bullpen. Uh, we're going to activate Adam Wainwright maybe ahead of when he's ready to go just to shake this thing up. Do I look at Dakota Hudson helping us out in our bullpen, maybe making a spot start if we need it? Those are the things that you can do to shake things up early. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to go off the deep end and just start making drastic changes, at least not yet, not in my opinion. I would love to see Matthew Libertor come up. I, I would love to see him start. And I'm with you on the bullpen idea because I, I threw that out there before. I wonder if the path for Libertor to the big leagues is, is as a reliever. But when it comes to the starting rotation, maybe you start to say, okay, everybody, everybody's up for grabs now. 
What do you do tonight if Steven Matz goes out and lays an egg? I mean, that that is on the table for me. I, I, I don't like seeing a guy making that kind of money go to my bullpen, but if you're talking about what uh, the mic drop said and you got to shake things up, that's how you shake things up. You take a guy that's a veteran making 11 or $12 million and say, hey, man, you're just not getting the job done. That's a wake-up call for a lot of people. Put you on the edge of your seat. It's something to think about. I mean, when does Libertor pitch next? I don't that, know. I haven't seen. I haven't seen it. I, the fr- I think the first step is you asked me what what would you do if Stephen Matz gets blown up tonight. The first thing I would do is align Libertor and Matz. Something to think about, so that when Libertor is set to make his next start or maybe the start after, it would be in line with when Matz starts. So maybe Matz just gets one more after this, and then and then it's okay. Matthew Libertor is going to come up. He has not put hitters away. Steven Matz has not put hitters away. And sometimes that's because your stuff isn't maybe where it needs to be. He's dropped in velocity by about a mile per hour this year. The hard hit rate against him is up by 7%. He is getting more ground balls, so that part is a a positive. But the bottom line is, are you helping your team win games? And the Cardinals have lost each of his four starts this year. And he's given up four or more runs in three of the four outings. You can't keep rolling that out. And I, again, it's early, but you got to look at if you're looking at what, what the caller said or what the uh, the mic drop was. That's something you do to shake things up. If it's if he's not getting the job done, you either do or die in the league. And you know what? Maybe you make that change. It's something that you probably talk about. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Anthony Stalter. More of your mic drops. We'll also at some point at some point play narrative or reality. Are you buying the narrative that? There's and whatever it is, there, we've seen a bunch of narratives as it relates to the Cardinals and their struggles. We'll throw a narrative out and we'll talk about whether or not it is an actual narrative or there's some truth to it, maybe or or there, it is reality. But more on your Cardinals, more mic drops, more venting next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We have had some tough, tough stuff happen, man. And, you know, and, it, and at times, I know our guys would admit at times we've we've not looked anything like what we can look. So I know it's frustrating for Cardinal Nation, man. I just can't. I can't wait to get back out there and and try to help turn it around. Our guys are are ready for kind of a call to arms and better play all around. But last night was certainly tough. And, you know, we got one of the best relievers in the game on the mound, and you know, it just didn't happen last night. That was Adam Wainwright earlier today on the opening drive with Randy Carricker, Brooke Grimsley, and Kerry Davis. I'm Anthony Stalter. Dan McLaughlin filling in for Jamie Rivers. How much of an impact do you think Waino has in the clubhouse and in this starting staff when he does return? I think it could be big in what he brings to some levity to what's happening right now because he's been through everything, the ups and downs of a baseball season. Physically, what he does on the mound, time will tell. Yeah, um, He's throwing below the, the zone of, of fastballs and velocity. Sometimes that can be good. We'll see how sharp the breaking ball is. It's his bread and butter. And I go back to the WBC where he had the bases loaded, nobody out, gave up one run. And then you look up, he's through whatever it was, five innings, six innings. I think at this point in his career and this age, that's kind of what you're hoping for. But he is a big, big presence inside that clubhouse. And again, I think he bring a little levity to this, a little comedy, loosen things up, and that matters. 
but every fifth day is when it really matters, and that's, you know, time will tell to see what that looks like. So we asked for your mic drops, and one of the themes throughout the course of the day is, are you, are you relying on what you've seen this season, or are you going back and looking at the reputation of the Cardinals and saying, yeah, it's not pretty, it, it doesn't look good right now, but I still believe that they'll be fine. That the latter is where Mike is, who left this mic drop. Cardinals will be fine. A lot of the starters start out worse than they had ever started historically. And they're coming back, and we will go forward with an outstanding lineup, very deep team, and win the division. 88 wins should do it. It's an anomaly. It's, a, it's random and happened, but we have good players, and we'll win. Mm. Mike sounded like he was having a nice lunch. Uh, nice yeah, nice lunch. lunch, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, well, 88 wins. I don't know if it, I don't know if it does it. I think it's 90-plus. Whoever wins the division is going to be 90-plus. Well, the last run through the rotation, it's not been bad. I mean, Matt's five and a third. Michael is five and a third. Flaherty, six. He pitched very well. Montgomery, six. No earned. And Woodford last night, five and a third and, and two earned. But yet the team is one and four, and they've only had 13 runs of support. Again, I, I believe it starts with the starting pitching. So... The one thing to look at is that they're going to have a change in that rotation with Wayno coming back. And I do believe guys will get back to where they normally have been. However, when you're 9 and 15, it's got to start now. You know, if you're going to get to 88 wins, you're behind the eight ball a little bit here. I, I just think tonight's start is critical not only for Mats, but for the team. They need a win mm-hmm. just to kind of take the pressure off, calm down, relax. Yep. I mean, you hear how the fan base is right now, they're upset. They feel it. Wayno even said it. He said, I, I understand Cardinal Nation is frustrated. Well, they are. <clears throat> but Matt's has got to be better tonight. Yes, he does. Now, the strikeout, the, the, the whiff rate is not bad. The strikeout rate is actually pretty good for Steven Matz. That's where it ends, though. The exit, the exit velo, the hard hit rate, the barrel rate, slugging, expected, all the expected numbers aren't good for Steven Matz. If you are looking for a little bit of positivity, though, Anthony DiScalfani, who you'll face tonight, old Cincinnati Red pitcher, he hasn't he hasn't been the numbers the numbers are actually pretty good the ERA two point six three, but a lot of the other eighth best in the National League. You look at you look at the, the same things that we're looking at with Mats and other pitchers, the exit velo, the hard hit rate, barrel percentage. It, I I think that this is somebody that has probably been fortunate with some some batted uh, ball luck thus far, Dan. So maybe this is a guy, despite again the record of one and one and two six three ERA, somebody that this offense could get jump started against. I think the middle innings will be telling in this game, and the reason I say that is yet you went with a bullpen start last night. You need depth from Anthony DiSclefani. They used eight pitchers last night. And that's the most innings by relievers per game since Oakland, Miami, and San Francisco did it earlier this year. So, you know, you start looking at what happened last night. From the Giants' perspective, they need a big start from him. They need length out of him. The Giants don't walk many. He doesn't walk many. Goalie's got big numbers against him, 519, 14 for 27. So that's something to keep in mind with this matchup tonight. But uh, get to him, and if you can get to him early and knock him out, then the Cardinals have 
a favorable matchup going forward because they used so many relievers last night. Yeah, it wouldn't be a crime if the Cardinals got a lead at no. any point. The, with the problem, too, has been the two-strike approach hitting and two-strike approach pitching. I mean, Matt's has fallen victim to what the entire staff has done, and we talked about that earlier, but, you know, Steven Matz, there's only three other pitchers that have allowed more home runs with two strikes this year, hmm. and one of them is his teammate, Jake Woodford. Yeah. So two strikes, looking at that, you mentioned the numbers about hard hit percentage, the velocity's down, and ground balls have been up. You know, his sinker is getting a hit a little bit, and that's a bread-and-butter pitch for him. So keep that in mind when you're watching the game tonight. Well, you're, you're talking about the, the home runs. The, the home runs haven't been there. The timely home runs, the impactful home runs have not been there for the Cardinals' offense. The, the timely home runs, the impactful home runs have been there for the opponent. Yeah. Last night, key example, Blake Sable walks it off for the Giants. There's been other home runs that have either been game winners, game deciders, or that the, the nail in the coffin. The other night it was, who was the other Giant that, that homered the other night that wound up kind of breaking things? It, it came off of, was that Yaz? Was that Yastrzemski who hit the home run off of Drew Verhagen? On the slider, regardless, but yeah, they hit the home run. My point. I mean, it's the it's it is those backbreaking long balls that have been there for for your for the opponent that have not been there for the Cardinals. This team should have plenty of power. It just hasn't been there. Was it J D. Davis? J D. Davis got yeah. a hanging slider from Drew Verhagen in Park. Yes, yeah, that's you. what it was, and that came after an error. Yep. Last night came after an error, so you start thinking about little things. Both were committed by Tommy Edmond. If you don't commit those errors, you probably win those games. You're right. So little things done at the major league level, if you don't do it, you lose. Um, yeah, and, and and the other thing is putting people away with two strikes. Mm-hmm. Get two strikes on them, put them away. And they haven't been able to do that. Just It just hasn't worked out so far this early in the season. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Anthony Stalter. We're going to talk to Jeremy Rutherford next hour, so we will sneak in a little blues. But I wanted to play narrative or reality. And this will be... Uh, a statement that I have either read or paraphrased from Cardinals fans that are frustrated right now, and I want to I want to know from you guys: Is it? Do you think that it's a narrative at this point? So it's something that's just yeah, we're throwing it out there, not a lot of grounds to it, or is there some reality to it? That's next on One ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred One ESPN. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. We're going to play narrative or reality. And we've all either heard or seen or have said certain things related to the Cardinals and their struggles. Reasons, excuses, examples, opinions. So what I want to do is I want to read either a paraphrased version of a statement that related to the Cardinals struggles or something I've just flat off lifted off Twitter. The tax line. And we're going to play Twitter is reality. where the um, the facts are. What's that? Twitter is where the facts are. There's no question, Dan. <laughs> There's no question. You guys ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Narrative or reality? Ollie lost the clubhouse when he called out Tyler O'Neill. So narrative or reality? That's yes. narrative. I agree. Um, I would imagine that they went to Tyler O'Neill 
and probably said to him, young man, you have a chance to have a big year. You're going to have a chance to grab that center field job. You're going to have a chance to, we're going to give you that chance to put up big numbers. And there are times maybe we don't see you given the 100% that we need from you. Saw it last year a few times. Maybe you don't want to get injured. We understand that. This is a business. You're trying to provide for your family the best that you can in a short window in your life. However, we can't have that. We need to make sure that you are giving 100%. You are in the 99th percentile of sprint uh, speed in Major League Baseball. And we're going to prove a point here by calling it out. I wouldn't be surprised if there were some veterans on that team that probably said behind the scenes, hey, if we're going to win, call it out. Mm -hmm. He needs to have that called out. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. And did Ollie lose a club by doing that? No, not at all. If it happened on a daily basis, yeah, I think there'd be a problem. But if he's going to do it and pick and choose his spots, no problem with it. I think this is this is one of the, the lazier narratives. It's one of the easier things to say, well, it's all Ollie's fault. He, he ruined things. That you're you're excusing the poor performances from players. You're, you don't you're think excusing the, the the lack of execution from players. You don't think that was calculated? It absolutely was calculated. I mean, coaches just don't go it off should, like that. It should be calculated. It's it, a calculated move to get it out there and get the attention of the player. There's no doubt in my mind. And by extension, you get the attention of the clubhouse. And I'm sure there's some guys that were frustrated he didn't score on that play. And they're saying, hey, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Get after him. It, maybe it's not my place as a young player to say anything to him, but I appreciate the fact that my manager did. And he has, by extension, all our all of our backs that are putting out and given the effort that he needs to score on that play. I think that's a reality. We're playing narrative or reality. Here is Tristan, Tristan who sent us a mic drop uh, about one of the players that has been criticized a lot recently. We need more pitchers, better pitchers, number one and number two pitchers, starting pitchers. I don't know if Wilson Contreras is helping or not with the pitching staff, but seems like he's not um, helping the pitching staff. I think he's kind of making it worse. So Tristan highlighted one of the things that Cardinals fans are frustrated about. I'll, I'll summarize it this way. Narrative or reality? The problems with the starting pitching can be connected to the loss of Yachty and the insertion of Wilson Contreras behind the plate. Let me ask you this. Can I be in between on reality or narrative? Sure. We call that riding the fence. It hurts, but go ahead. I'm going to ride the fence, and it does hurt on this one. I, I The verdict is still out for me. Um, and where I look at this would be with the two strikes of when the the Cardinals pitchers get two strikes on the opposition. And it's been awful in that spot. And I mentioned this earlier. The average is second worst against them. The slug with two strikes is second worst against them. In 2019 through 22, with two strikes, they were eighth in baseball. So is it a byproduct of the pitching isn't that good? Or is it a byproduct of, you know what? he's calling the wrong pitches at, at the times in which guys are hammering the Cardinal starters or relievers. I'm riding the fence because I want to see this thing play out and give it a full sample size to see where it goes. I think that's fair. I think it's fair too. I I didn't give it a lot of credit early on. I didn't, I didn't pay a lot of attention. I shot it down. 
So we're 24 games in. Yeah. Okay. Andrew Kisner spent a lot of time behind the dish last year, and I, I think Wilson Contreras is a better catcher than Andrew Kisner. You didn't see the problems a year ago, and Yachty spent plenty of time away from the team. So, again, I thought this was more narrative. That's fair, yeah. But, Dan, when you're talking about, we had mentioned Jordan Hick, the Jordan Hicks sequence to Andrew McCutcheon, or last night when you were breaking down Ryan Helsley's pitch selection, staying away from his fastball, That it's either him, Contreras, or Dusty Blake. Well, here's one of the things that happens. So, before a game, if it's Kisner or Yachty or... Contreras, they're going to get with Dusty Blake. They're going to get with the manager, and they're going to get with the pitchers and talk about every day. Okay, Anthony Stalter's coming up, and here's the tendencies. This is what we want to try to accomplish to get him out. Every day that they they do that. However, Yachty would go off script a lot, and he would pitch backwards because he was so into the moment of the game. Maybe remembering something from the first plate appearance from player X and saying, yeah, that's how we got him out. Mm -hmm. But we're going to call this thing backwards. Where he's expecting a fastball, we're going curveball. We're going changeup. One of the great examples is that is the strikeout of Carlos Beltran in 06. It's one of the more masterful things I've ever seen in baseball, and he started him off with a changeup. You know, you know Wayno's got a fastball and a curveball, and he, boop, there's a (laughs) changeup. It's like, what? So it was in the back of his mind. Yachty, throughout his career, did that. However, I don't think it's fair to compare... Kisner, Contreras, your top catchers to Yachty because he was a baseball savant when it came to the defensive side of the game. So uh, there might be something to it. I think it can improve as he learns his staff better too. You know, that's part of this as well. You got to learn your staff, what they're comfortable in certain spots, and maybe there's just a little click off with that. But I, I bet as it goes along, this these numbers improve because they can't get much worse. All right. Narrative or reality? Without Yachty, this team has chemistry issues. I disagree. I got a tweet. I got a tweet about. I mean, this. Yachty went to go watch his basketball team play last year. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, let's just say he did. It, you know? he, spent a, he spent a fair amount of time away from the team. I mean, I'm sure there were some guys in the the clubhouse that were going, "What? Wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. I get it. You're Yachty. You're going to the Hall of Fame. You've been the face of this franchise for a long time, but." You can't go to Puerto Rico to watch the team you own. You just right. can't do it. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not going to buy into that all that much. Plus, winning, winning's a cure-all. If oh, this for team, sure. If this team rattles off, I'm not saying they will, but if they rattle off 10 in a row, all of a sudden, the chemi- these guys are having fun. They're smiling. Oh, yeah. The chemistry. You know who brought them together? It's whoever the, la- whoever the guy's smiling. Watch show up, and then all of a sudden, things take off the right way. And it's going to be, well, Wayno made all that, that you know difference in the clubhouse. And I'm sure he made... Uh, he 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 would make some impact, but the winning is the key. How many times have you read, you know, players getting in fights in a clubhouse, a locker room, and, well, hell, the Blues had one on ice that got caught by cameras, and they win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Guys over a long season sometimes don't get along, and sometimes you can have some real bad human beings inside. <laughs> it just is what it is. Yeah. There. It doesn't matter a lot of time. I think it helps to have that. But I've seen a lot of teams that didn't get along or there were some bad characters, but they won between the white lines. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You're getting paid to win. Narrative or reality? The inconsistencies with the offense stem from Ollie juggling the lineup too much. I I don't 
I don't buy this one either. I'm not saying it doesn't have any impact, Dan, because you, you and I talked about this yesterday, and we talked about it with BT, too. To know that I'm going to be in the lineup and I'm going to hit in a certain spot behind somebody and in front of somebody, I'm sure that I'm sure it's beneficial to some degree. I still think that it's it's a bit of a lazy narrative to go that route when your roster is based on flexibility. Let's let's not let's not overlook yes. that. Your Mozilla put together a flexible deep roster, and when you're winning, you highlight the flexible deep roster. When you're losing, it's like, well, they're juggling the lineup too much. I don't think they're losing because of it. I, I agree. I think it's not. I think it's. What is it? Reality and narrative? narrative. I think it's a narrative. I'll go back to the Giants since the Giants are playing the Cardinals. And when they won a couple of years ago, shuffling their lineup all over the place. Also, it just comes down to guys producing. If you produce, you stay in the lineup. Right. And right now, who would you point to in that outfield and say, but that guy's really producing? Nobody. Maybe Newpar? Newpar, since he has come back, I think has been, since he has come back, he's been your best outfielder. Yeah. I don't think it's been some standout performance. I mean, Walker is, you're trying to be careful with how you play him. Burleson is the last week hitting about a buck 50. Carlson, four for his last 31. I'd shuffle it up too. I'd just look at matchups and then I'd look at what the opposition, that pitcher is. You know, what what does he do? He throws a lot of sinkers. Okay, my guy seems to have success with sinkers. Or Mm -hmm. he's really good against a fastball. Okay, you're out there. I mean, that's what you have to do right now. And some people could counter that by saying, well, these guys would have success if they were in the same spot in the lineup. I I just don't buy that. Yeah, I'm with you. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll continue to take your mic mic drops on the Cardinals. If you want to leave us a mic drop, you want to vent about something, maybe you want to vent to Dan and I. That's fine. You could do that too. That's what, fine. What are you ticked off about? And do you still have some hope that because of the the reputation of the Cardinals and knowing that they do have talent on the roster, that they're eventually going to turn this thing around? That's next. I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I do think when you look at the the lineup, there's been a lot of pieces that have been changing, and and I think trying to find a little bit more consistency in that is something that we're going to try to do. In other words, allow players to get into some sort of flow, and and I think that rhythm just hasn't been there. So, you know, I think the one thing I'd ask for from our fan base right now is a little bit of patience um, because we do think that that we do have the talent to win, and we always got to remind ourselves it's still April. Yeah gonna be may soon mo you gotta fix it at some point Ooh, wow hot you gotta take. do something hot take hot taking hot caking that always helps right the uh you gotta do something there's with something, nothing to back it up i i would say though when you're talking about the lineup it's got to be a core group that you're talking about never leaving i mean arenado goldie mm-hmm. donovan edmund de young spots guys here and there and if somebody would take hold of an outfield spot, then I agree with what he's saying. Then you keep that guy in there. He might have an offer, but he's the kind of guy that you if you he roll if, with it. Yeah, you just keep going and, and roll him out there. 
And that's what I said before. I think they're waiting for any of these guys in the outfield to take control of one of the spots, and then you'd have consistency a little bit more in your lineup. Right. And that's the the way I would approach it. I don't, and I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. We you just, just got to have somebody step up. Exactly. Though. We just did the narrative of reality, the narrative of reality segment, where we threw out statements that have been made, or we used, you know, we paraphrase statements that have been made about the Cardinals and their struggles. And you and I pretty much agreed upon that most of them were narratives. So the reality is, you're not you're not pitching well enough. Now that's turned around a little bit, but at Dana, you you had the numbers about the two strike approach mm. for pitching, the two strike ap- approach for offense. We could go through the same thing, the lack of power for the offense, giving up too much, too many extra base hits, and too many too many home runs for the pitching staff. The defense is sloppy. The base running has been okay, but certainly not good enough from at least the expectations that a lot of us had, and I think the expectations within that clubhouse. Basically, the things that you're supposed to do to win baseball games, the Cardinals aren't doing. What would be your primary three in the outfield? Who would you put out there? Because I think now you got to start looking at that a little bit. My primary outfield would be Newt, Walker, and Tyler O'Neill. I think you got to be careful with Walker, though. <clears throat> Again, I mean, I don't let want him, him to get buried. Let him play. He's got to play. If he's going to be here, he's got to play. Let him play, Dan. Yeah. If, if he eventually he he is drowning, then he goes to Memphis. Yeah. I'm not saying he's got to play every inning of every game for the next month, but this is somebody that you have very high expectations for. You understand he's only 20 years old. But he's got to play. He's got to make the adjustments because that's what big league baseball is all about. They're going to find your holes. They're going to find your weaknesses. And you adjust. And I think he's capable of doing it. If he looks overwhelmed, I don't think a day off is going to fix that. I say this too. If you come out of this trip playing like they are right now, I got to look at Juan Yepes. I, I got to bring him up and give him a run. And see if he takes it and runs with it too. He was the save. He was the savior last year around this time. You and I talked about it. Mother's Day, he came up. We we figured out when he came up. He was the savior last year, and he was the savior in the postseason. If a savior can, if that's a word that you can use for a losing team. So Carlson would be on your bench. Carlson would be on. Carlson would be in Memphis, quite frankly. If if you want to take him there, yeah, because I can't unless I think. And truly believe within the Cardinals organization that he's a fourth outfielder. If that's the case, Dan, then he's my defensive replacement for for Burleson and Walker Walker late in games. And I think that's probably his role right now is to be a fourth outfielder. But is that all he's going to be? Right now, I mean... Then I I have him in Memphis. So then you'd have to believe that you could look at him and being uh, from game one to 162, he's an everyday player. The problem is he can't hit from one side of the plate right now. Exactly. Can't hit against righties. Majority of the league is right-handed, and you can match up with him and get him out if you're thinking that, you you know, he comes up late, I'm going to bring in a righty. Right. So he's limited in that role. Exactly. Do you, see, do you see what I'm saying? I can't he, – he's either he's either developing still into, a, into an everyday player – or I believe he's nothing more than a fourth outfielder for the foreseeable future, and I use him as such. I think right now they look at him as a fourth outfielder. I, I'd be curious if he's still young, man, and I, I I don't like saying that, but with what you have and how they use him, 
it seems to be that his role right now, whether you like it or not, is as a fourth outfielder. And again, that can change. He's so young, and he's had promise, and he's been able to hit from both sides of the plate, but he's going to have to figure it out from the one side of the plate if he's going to play every day. Mm-hmm. And if that's not the case, his value is to, as you said, base running late or defensive replacement late for Burleson and Walker. Then you all of a sudden improve your team defensively. How would you define a fourth outfielder? Probably in those in those terms. Yes. You know, to give a guy a spell, he, then he plays all three positions above average. He's got a very good arm. And so there's value there. It's just, if he was... 31 years old, you'd say, oh, that's his role, no problem. But he's not, and he's a young kid, and that's why you say maybe that role needs to be defined, and to your point, maybe he has to go to Memphis to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. That's Dan McLaughlin I'm Anthony Stalter. So, yes, that would be my outfield alignment. I Right now, it'd be O'Neal, it'd be Newt, it'd be Walker, and if Walker can't handle it, which is okay, it's understandable, unfortunate, but if he can't handle it after a hot start and he's slumping, then eventually, then he's got to go to Memphis as well. What some, are yours, though? Well, some people would say, I'm going to advance the story, too. I like your your three. Um, you don't love it, though. I, I just got to let it play out a little bit. I want you to love it. Okay, I love it. Now, Tommy Edmond doesn't hit against right-handers, and yet he plays every day. And the reason why, it's out of necessity. I mean, with him, it, do you want DeYoung in there every day? I don't think so. Not yet. Not unless he catches fire and gets a chance to do that. And then you say, okay, I'll put Tommy at second, and he'll spot with Donovan here and there. But uh, the difference is you got to play him out of necessity defensively unless your other option is Paul DeYoung. So Tommy Evan plays every day. The difference is with Carlson, there's options. Now the options haven't been off to good starts, but – if a, uh, a lefty's or a righty's on the mound, I, I really don't want him hitting right now left-handed. Yeah. So am I stunting his growth? Maybe, but do they feel at this, and only they know, but maybe they feel he's his best option right now, and the team's best option is to be that fourth outfielder. Yep. And by the way, I can't bench Tommy Edmond. He's my power. So it's fast lane on 101 ESPN. Right now he is. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he's got four dingers. He's... <laughs> Can't How did that him. happen? Can't bench him. He's your power. All right. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We get the gauntlet coming up next. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Four hundred one, Anthony. <laughs> you saw me look at the computer a couple times there. Four hundred one. <laughs> Four hundred one. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Dan McLaughlin. He's always helpful. Try to be. Yeah. Uh, who do we have today, Marsh, for the gauntlet? Yeah, we have Mark who's joining us today. What's up, Mark? It's now four hundred two. <laughs> What's up, fellas? How you doing? <laughs> Good. How you doing, Mark? Doing well, Danny. All right. All right, Mark. You got two options while Jamie is in Mexico. You've got Marsh or you've got me. Who would you like to take on? 
Well, I'm going to go with you, Anthony. I, I'm afraid because you always get hockey, but we're going to try it anyways. Okay, so you're not... He's an expert in hockey, though. <laughs> don't no, let the not gauntlet, an expert in hockey. Go, don't let the gauntlet record fool you there, Mark. <laughs> I'm, I'm only 1-8 in, in, ho- in hockey. All right, good luck, man. Thanks. Bye, Anthony. See you, Dan. Okay. Hey, uh, Anthony. Yeah. It's almost 4.03. 4.02 Nice call, yeah. Marshy. Absolutely. All right, Mark, are you ready to get the show under on the road? Let's do it, Marcy. All right, you're going to tell me to spin that wheel. Spin that wheel. All right, Mark, what uh, category are you looking for? Obviously, probably hockey, since Anthony doesn't uh, know oh, much geez. about it. <laughs> yeah, he and I both. I don't want hockey. I'll take about anything else, though. All right, well, today you're getting baseball. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right, so now we have the launch codes. we got to... Give Dan the codes as well. Thank you, sir. For those that do not know the rules to the gauntlet, both Mark and Anthony will each get four questions, all the same questions. If they get the question right without using the options, they get two points. If they have to use the options, they'll get one point. And if they do not get the question right at all, they get zero points. Are you ready, Mark? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. Question number one. Clayton Kershaw earned his 200th win as a Dodger. Which pitcher has the most wins while wearing a Dodgers uniform? Uh, Let's do Sandy Koufax. Final answer? Final answer. Rockies C.J. Crown has the most home runs, 450-plus feet since 2021. Which Cardinal is tied for second with eight? Wow. Give me the options on that, please. Is it Tyler O'Neill, Paul Goldschmidt, or Nolan Arenado? Is it CJ Crone? Should be or not Crown? Yeah, I think it's Crone. Okay. question one more time, Dan? Yeah, I would look at it said Crown. I was like, wait a minute here. All right, <laughs> Rockies CJ Crone has the most home runs of 450 feet since 2021. Which Cardinal is tied for second with eight? I'm going Tyler O'Neill. Final answer. Question three, please. Now, he, we're going to clarify, you asked for the options, but you did not actually end up getting the options. You did options. not use the options. So, we're going to clarify that for the tax line. Correct. I'm All on right. your side, Mark. Good job. Thank you. CJ Crown, by the way, Crone. teammates with uh, Arson Judge. Is that right? Yeah, CJ Crown. Oh, that is not CJ Crone is an actual baseball player. It's correct. Yes. Okay. Question number three: Which Major League Baseball team drafted Taylor Motter in 2011? Options, please. Your options are the Colorado Rockies, the Tampa Bay Rays, or the Seattle Mariners. Tampa Bay Rays. Final answer. Mm. All right, question four. Which Cardinal currently owns the active Major League Baseball record with 25 consecutive stolen bases without being caught? Tommy Edmond, final answer. All righty, let's bring back Anthony. He's not paying attention. Looks like he's looking at the clock down in the... uh, Cone of silence, you really know trying to figure out what time it is. I messed up on question two. I think I did give the um, the options. 
Yeah. Did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Mark, for being honest. Clarification. I mean, on that Anthony one. is just literally not paying attention. Let might me go th- get him. Yeah, we might have to throw something right, at that on. window. Hey, Anthony. <laughs> All right, Mark, how you feeling? Not real good, but we'll see. All right. Well, Anthony's taking a sweet time. Anthony, we were trying to get a hold of you for I don't know, a good minute. At least it felt like it. Talking to some people. You're just so popular, aren't you? Okay. All right, Anthony, you ready to go? Yeah, uh, Patrice Bergeron. That is not All the right it. answer. Patrick Waugh. Sorry. You ready? The Ottawa Senators. Yeah, go ahead. The Ottawa Senators play it's baseball, in Anthony. the is same country as the Toronto Blue Jays. All yeah. right. Are you ready? Yes. Question number one. Clayton Kershaw earned his 200th win as a Dodger. Which pitcher has the most wins while wearing a Dodgers uniform? Most wins in a Dodgers uniform. That's pretty good. Uh, pretty good pitchers along the way. Oral Hershiser, Sandy Koufax. Um. Hmm. I'm missing somebody though. All right, I've got I've got the name in mind, but let me let me get the uh, let me get the options, please. Options are Don Drysdale, Don Sutton, or Sandy Koufax. I was thinking Koufax. I'll go Sandy Koufax. Final, Final answer. answer. Yeah. Question two: Rockies C.J. Crone has the most home runs of 450 feet plus. Since 2021, which Cardinal is tied for second with eight? Over that same time spirit, uh, period? I would assume so. So who, who hits a, a lot of home runs that Since are 2021, far? yeah. CJ Crone has 458 home runs since 2021 that are that of that 450 distance? plus. Yeah. Okay. Most home runs since plus. 2021 of 450 feet plus. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Wow. Okay. You thought he hit a 450 yeah, well, that's home I runs I'm stunned. Seasons. I'm like, what the hell? It's impossible. Okay. Uh, Tyler O'Neill hits long home runs. Paul Goldschmidt, Arenado. Although O'Neill didn't hit a bunch of home runs last year. It's got to be either Goldie or Arenado, right? I don't think I'm missing anybody on this. Give me Nolan Arenado, please. Who was that? Final answer. Nolan Arenado. Thanks. Final answer. All right. Question number three. Which Major League Baseball team drafted Taylor Motter in 2011? May I interject with some breaking news, by the way, concerning Taylor Motter? Uh, Reports are that Taylor Motter, who passed through waivers, is back in the majors, signed to a Major League club, joining the Cardinals, and Jordan Walker has been optioned to Memphis. Really? Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, we'll get into that in about two minutes. Um, Heck of a tease. Okay, sure wow. That's, wow. All right, so Taylor Motter, who drafted him? Yeah. Nobody knows. He's played for everybody. Let me get the options, please. Options are the Colorado Rockies, Tampa Bay Rays, or Seattle Mariners. I knew he played for the Mariners. I knew he played for the Rays. I, mean, I knew he played for the Rockies, but who was he drafted by? Rockies Mariners, Rockies Mariners, Finkel Einhorn. I think he was drafted by the Seattle Mariners. Final answer. Okay. These are tough. 
Question four, which Cardinal currently owns the active Major League Baseball record with 25 consecutive stolen bases without being caught? I would think it'd be, I would think it'd be Tommy Edmond. I'm going to go Tommy Edmond, final answer. All right, let's go over these questions. Anthony, how are you feeling? Not great. All right. Let's start with question number one. Clayton Kershaw earned his 200th win as a Dodger. Which pitcher has the most wins while wearing a Dodgers uniform? You both said Sandy Koufax. But, Anthony, you used the options. Oh, man. The answer is... Don Sutton. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, Still, well, that's good. Okay. He's tied 0-0. Don Sutton with 233 wins. Mm-hmm. Question All earned. Uh, oh, you betcha. Dan, what question do you want to? Uh, question two, please. Question two. Okay, <laughs> Rockies' CJ Crone. Thank you, Marshy. Has the most home runs of 450-plus feet since 2021. Which Cardinal is tied for second with eight? Anthony, you said... Mark, you used the options. You said Tyler O'Neill. Correct answer is. Oh, that's me. <laughs> Tyler O'Neill. All right, so Mark oh, is no. up. O'Neill did it? To nothing. Let's go to question four. Sorry about that. I got to get on it. You're going question four. <laughs> We're going question four here. Question four, please. Which Cardinal currently owns the active MLB record with 25 consecutive stolen bases without being caught? You both said Tommy Edmond did not use the options. Mm. The correct answer is Paul Goldschmidt with 25 in a row. Wow. So Anthony, since 2019. Anthony, you're down one nothing right now yeah. to Mark. And there's one question left. The Modder question. Which MLB team drafted Taylor Modder in 2011? You both used the options. Mark, you said the Tampa Bay Rays. Anthony, you said the Seattle Mariners. If it's the Seattle Mariners, we got ourselves a walk-off. If it's the Colorado Rockies or the Tampa Bay Rays, Mark will move on tomorrow. Are we ready? Mark! I didn't give the answer. You will. You have chosen wisely. What is the correct answer, Dan? The Tampa Bay Rays. Wow. So no one knew it except for Mark, according to Anthony. Right on. I got shut out badly. Mark, nice job, man. Mm. Really nice Thanks, job. Anthony. Thank you, sir. When right. did they uh, turn into the Rays from the Devil Rays? That would be 2008. I was going to say 2008, too. Really? Yeah. I was thinking 9, 8, something like I think that. It was 2008. Yeah. Yeah, okay, well, I'm going to double check that just in case. If it's 2008, mm-hmm. I win. And Mark, uh, sorry, but no. Nice job, Mark. You'll you'll Thank be you. back tomorrow. You'll take out Mars. Sound good? Sounds good. You guys have a good rest of the day. All right, you awesome. too. Take Thanks. care. So Taylor Thanks, Motter is called up, and Jordan Walker is sent back to the minor leagues. All right, we'll get into that mistake next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So 
So while I was getting my butt kicked by Mark in the gauntlet, Danny Mac broke in with a little bit of breaking news, according to Derek Gould and other sources. The Cardinals have optioned Jordan Walker to Memphis. What? And if you just go with this, okay, so Jordan Walker, off to first of all, had a great spring. Earned the spot. He deserved it coming out of spring training. Got off to a hot start. Had the consecutive hit streak going on there. Then he started to slump. And since the end of that that record-tying consecutive hit streak, Dan, Jordan Walker was hitting below 200. Mm-hmm. I get it. I understand the, the the idea of sending him to Memphis. It's disappointing. I think one of the the reasons to be excited about the club was Jordan Walker, so you just sent him out. Okay. Disappointing. All right. I get that part I get, of it. I get that part of it to an extent. Just going to be really careful with how you develop him, and they clearly saw trends that were going in the wrong direction so that he doesn't get buried. Fine. I get it. Fine. What I don't understand is bringing back Taylor Motter, who cleared waivers. You just designated him for assignment when Paul DeYoung was activated ahead of the road the road trip. You bring him back. That's the replacement. That's that's the roster move that you made by sending Jordan Walker out. It's Taylor Motter. Why not Juan Yepes? It's a logical question. I mean, he's got uh, one home run right now, 732 OPS. But I go back with the idea that he gives you some pop, potentially. You're not developing Juan Yepes. Nope. And he's been in the major leagues, and he's an option with an outfield that's struggling. I can see potentially maybe the move here is that Brendan Donovan is going to play some outfield. And Mm -hmm. Donovan could go to the outfield. Tommy Edmond shifts over to second. And Paul DeYoung will get a little run at short. This team has that's been your answer. You just got to think of it that way. That's, I mean, your, an- that's your answer if you're the Cardinals. That's yeah, your I mean, answer. that's I, that. I'm just trying to think of like some of the logical moving parts with this, and that would be one of them. You could put Tommy Edmond in the outfield if you wanted to do that. If they feel they're not getting a run from their outfielders, then you say, okay, Edmond can play out there. Donovan could play out there. Give a run to DeYoung. Look, I'm just giving you the options. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's probably the mindset of what they could do with this cast of characters that they currently have. I know, Dan, and you're right, but you're sitting in front of me right now, and I'm angry. Okay, I get I'm it. angry, and you're sitting in front of me. You don't sound so, angry, Anthony. I'm. I'm in. You I sound you complacent. Do a rant. It's I time need for a rant. you to call this front office well, out. Well, well, why? Why they don't care? They, they don't care about you. Do a rant. And Taylor Motter on the same team. Rant. You, you make a move like this, and this, and their God knows how many games under five hundred. You know who? You know who's right today? You know who's right? The, the guy, fans are the guy I just traded to Oakland for a rodent yesterday. The six one hate. Yeah, he is. The six one hate is right. Really? You going six one hate? Well, yeah. I mean, what are we doing here? You don't know a thing, Anthony. <laughs> Was that really Janet? You went Janet on me? I did. Holy moly, I can't you don't watch I, the game. when she sent that in. No, you seriously. need to get Jeff Albers back here. <laughs> Jeff Anthony, Albers. you don't know anything. That's true. Look at the gauntlet record. <laughs> seriously, you're 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 bringing back Taylor. You're bringing up Taylor. You're bringing back Taylor Motter. He couldn't even clear <laughs> waivers. Or he did losing. clear waivers. <laughs> I can't I mean. help myself. What are we doing? What's wrong with you, Marshy? Uh, just Janet's hilarious. I can't believe she would say that to Anthony. Thank you. Is that Janet for real? Yeah. Where did she come from? You're leaving Juan Yepes in the minors. This is no—he's no longer a prospect. You're not developing him. 
Why wouldn't you have him up? This this guy saved your offense in May. He is one of the only guys that did anything offensively in the postseason. He had to come off the bench. Well, I think they're going to give a run to old PDJ, PJD, whatever. Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung. The I, King. You can give him a this? little bit more of a run and put one of those guys in the outfield and say, they're one of our mainstays. They've been better than the other group of characters that we've had in the outfield. I, I'm just that, That's one of the options. That's why you bring Motter back is to give you security up the middle as a utility infielder. So that makes sense to me. If you're going to do that, then one of those guys goes to the outfield. What number? Not saying you agree with it. It's just probably the the mindset of what they're doing. What number swing are we on for DeYoung now? Is this fourth now? This fourth different swing in the last four years? This is your answer. Hey, Tiger Woods switched his swing four different times and kept on winning majors. I'm just saying. Changed it completely, Anthony. You probably knew that, though. He had a back injury, and he took a nine iron off his forehead from his ex-wife. That He had to change, change his swing. Change his swing. He had to change it. I'm just saying he did it four different times, especially after his great run in 97 when he blew the field away at the uh, Masters. You know, just trying to get some comps here. We <laughs> do a different sport and an absolute legend. Sorry. A prodigy. You brought, up, you brought up somebody in a different sport and an absolute prodigy. I'm I'm just pulling, you know, some comps. <laughs> this is... Why are you laughing? This is brutal. I mean, seriously, this is brutal. You lost... You, you gave up a, a two-rung ding-dong Johnson to somebody named Blake Sable last night. And then you ship... You're the the one guy the fans were excited about to Memphis, and I get it. He's struggling. I understand. I, it. I don't mind that. And you bring in, do you bring in Taylor Motter, I who think you, you can just question that designated for assignment. Every the, all the rest of the 29 teams said no, thank you on Taylor Motter, and you bring him back. Well, Walker has not looked the same. Mm-hmm. So again, you're going to handle him with kid gloves. You're going to be very, very careful. And this is not. I'm sure they brought him in and said, look, man. Don't worry about it. We want to give you a run. We want to get you back to AAA, get some success under your belt, and and when you're ready to go and we see what we need to see, you're right back up. That's the kind of move that you make with this. So my question is, why not send him down immediately when you know before the series started? Because what we've been told is that he has been working on his swing. You know, they wanted to get him more upright. Okay, then let's see that. That change, what you've been working on, let's see that tonight. Let's see that in the majors, not at Springfield. Otherwise, because or not Springfield, uh, Memphis. That's the point, though. You don't want to bury him. Well, then so why not he, just send him down immediately? So you don't want to go for five tonight, and then all of a sudden he feels like, okay, the you know it's starting to snowball on him. Yeah, that so makes you gotta, sense. you got to be careful with it. That's the whole point. I think the question then so again, I, I got no problem with that. I, I understand. I mean, it's happened a million times where top prospects had to go back down and for sure figure things out. You know, got a taste in the majors, saw what it's like, and then come back up, never go back. Um, I think the question though would be modern. So I'm trying to advance a story and think of the thought process of what they're doing here, which would be protection up the middle, meaning that more than likely one of those guys, Edmund or Donovan, is going to get a little run in the outfield, and that shakes up your lineup a little bit. Just saying. I could totally see Brendan Donovan playing left field tonight. We saw him in Colorado make a few plays. Yeah. Okay. Anthony, I'm just spitballing here. Anthony DiScofani is going to go Alex Cobb on this lineup. Anthony, stop. I bet they win tonight. 
Who, the Giants? No, the Cardinals. Oh. Yep, they're going to win tonight. You heard it here first. Win tonight. Yes, sir. Yep, they're going to get to Di Slafani. The uh, Giants will extend him if he's having a rough night. And uh, they don't have a lot of help in their bullpen because they had a bullpen start last night. Cardinals shuffle up the lineup, catches the attention of some people, and they win tonight. That's Dan. Yep. That's Dan McLaughlin. Uh, Uh Ever the optimist about (laughs) your St. Louis Cardinals. I am not so much. I think that... now, what concerns me is that Steven Matz had his worst start as a Cardinal last year against the Giants almost a oh, year ago, Dan. and he allowed eight earned in two innings. But that was last year, fellas. Okay, yeah, he's much better this year. Well, yeah. wow. is that Dan's first crap sandwich of the of the show? I mean, yeah, it was a crap sandwich for yeah. sure, and it was well designed too. Yeah, it, was. it really was. Well, the other part of it is that it is a new year, and Matz has allowed four or more runs in three of. His four outings and the Cardinals have lost all four it's like of his a Double starts. crap sandwich. Wow! Extra cheese. All right, yeah. let's, Pickles, let's let's take onions. a break. Let's take a break from You've lost it. This crap show and uh, not this. You're saying this is bad? Not this. We, we put in a lot. I did a lot of research to get ready for this show, Dan. <laughs> yeah, this is this isn't the crap show I'm oh. talking about. I'm You're talking frustrated about with the, the Cardinals. Cardinals crap okay. show. All right, we'll talk a little blues with Jr. And then we'll have our sports six pack, and then maybe by five o'clock, I'll I'll find the the uh, optimism. So as much as you love hockey, you need to turn to hockey just to cool things off. Exactly. And then little sports six pack. Yeah. Question one, please. And then we'll have that, and then we can move on. And then at five o'clock, I will find you'll regroup some optimism in Taylor Motter instead of Juan Yepes, which is one of the dumbest things I've 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 seen here. And we've seen a lot of dumb things thus far in this early baseball season. What if Paul DeYoung goes off and uh, you shake up the outfield with the addition of Edmund or Donovan? Jeremy Jeremy Rutherford next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. That's right. Time to chat with our guy, Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at JP Rutherford. And JR did a pretty interesting look back at the season. Bold predictions for the Blues revisited in his latest column for The Athletic. Uh, readers went out on a limb. JR discussed whether or not he thought that they were going to be right, and then he revisited some of those bold predictions. And JR, I imagine the most interesting one from when you look back uh, was when the gentleman called the fact that the Blues were going to have three first-round picks by the end of the season. How about that? Shout-out to Ken V. I still don't know his last name, but uh, Ken Victory. V. I was asking victory for sure i was asking marshy uh, off the air i said maybe this is that ken remember the presidential debates uh, over at washu with ken the red bone. sweater there you go ken that's bone right. maybe it was, yeah. Well, yeah. well if it's ken bone that's not ken v so different guy but uh <laughs> this guy holy smokes so at the end of the season guys you you guys know this we uh, do our report cards and then the editors suggest why don't you go back and look at your bold predictions that you did and revisit those and see how you did and i bet you love that I love it. <laughs> you know, making the predictions, revisiting them, you know, it's always tough. But uh, at the beginning of this season, I said, you know what, to my boss, I said, why don't we turn it over to the readers and let them make the bold predictions? So they came in, and there were a lot of, 
you know, stick your neck out. Uh, things like uh, Buchnevich, 40 goals, Bennington Vesna trophy, uh, Jake Neighbors rookie of the year. Uh, but then I remember back in October, a guy said that I think the Blues are going to have three first round picks at the end of the year and their own will be number 10. And back in October, I was like, come on, no, that ain't going to happen. This is a 109 point team. I don't see what you're saying. I, I don't think this is accurate at all. And so here we are in uh, April sitting with three first-round picks, including number 10. So shout-out to Ken, who predicted that uh, way back when. Pretty good. That's incredible. You know, a lot of fans are curious about Ryan O'Reilly, Jr. and I, I hear it from fans. What do you think? Does he return to St. Louis, or has that door been closed? You know, I, I leave it slightly open, Dan. I, I do think that, uh, you know, talking to some people, that he has St. Louis on his list. But you can never tell what's going to happen. Look, if Toronto wins a cup and they want to re-sign him or, you know, his value skyrockets because of the way he's playing and that's not uh, financially feasible for the Blues. How do you how do you make it come back even if you sit here now and think that it is a possibility? But with that said, I think you leave the door open. You know, they could use some help probably uh, second, third line center if you're going to stick with Robert Thomas and, and Shen up the middle. O'Reilly can still come back and help you. It just comes down to how much would it cost and, and do the Blues want to go that direction? So, I think the way he's playing, it's still too early, but I think there's always a chance. Jr. When you look at the the draft, and I know, and I know that you don't know all the prospects and things like that, but looking at what the Blues have coming up down the road, contract wise, looking at the the philosophy, the style that we know Doug Armstrong wants the team to play, and 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 him and Craig Berube are, are on the same page there. What do you think the the strategy, so to speak, will be entering the draft. Do you, do you think that they'll have uh, a, a, an earmark for a certain position that they're looking at, or do you think it's it just kind of best player available? Yeah, if they if they keep all three of their picks, I don't think they're going to earmark a position. I think that they'll make that first uh, selection, number 10 overall, if that's indeed what it is. Excuse me, losing my voice here. Uh, but I, I think they'll make that pick, and I think like what Doug Armstrong said the other day, guys, with those latter two picks of the first round from the Rangers and from Toronto, I think there's a chance they could move that. Whether it be to move higher in the draft or to move it for an established player, I think that's a possibility. In term, do you need to clear your throat there, Jr. Go yeah, right ahead. Yeah, buddy. make sure make sure you yeah, get something sorry, to drink. Go get a little yeah. water. You know, we, it's all good. And we know that it's been a tough year, and you know, sometimes you get emotional talking about your blues. I Very get emotional. Well, and also, I know that this is just a fifteen minute divergent from that Juan Yepes argument. So I know that we're uh, talking blues to get away from that for a minute. Right? Well, I need to cool down. JR. I think we need to get Ken V <laughs> on his thoughts of the Cardinals, the way things are going. <laughs> Not a bad thought. Um, what stuck out for you during the, the Doug Armstrong press conference? Sometimes you can read into what guys are saying by the tone or the language because you're around them a lot. What did you read into the, the final presser for Doug going into this offseason? Yeah, Dan, not just with uh, Doug Armstrong, but if you put his press conference together with the Justin Falk press conference and the Braden Shen, <clears throat> I think they wanted to put a message out there. And that message is, these guys need to be better inside the locker room, on the ice, on practice day, so on and so forth. And I think it's a message that resonated. Like, you couldn't have walked out of that room without catching the drift of those guys. And when you talk to Doug Armstrong about the situation with the young players, he was pretty adamant that, you know, he's got to figure out how to get to these young players. How do you get to a – excuse me. 
how do you get to a Jordan Cairo who, you know, has all the talent in the world, but you just want to see him, you know, operate like a Braden Chen. But these guys are 24 years old. You went through it with a lot of other young players. So I think that listening to these guys talk about regaining that professionalism, you could you could hear that message loud and clear. Jeremy Rutherford's joining us right now in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. We know that there's not going to be a ton of cap space. We know that uh, when it comes to the the draft, that's look you, you're talking about prospects and players that are several years away. Do you think there's going to be a strategy with this offseason, Jr. in terms of making the improvements that you can within the cap space? And what what do you think that strategy is going to look like? I think Doug Armstrong he can't sit back and just see what comes to him. He's going to be aggressive. I think that he wants to see how he can help this team. But I just think it's a situation where you have to understand what position you're in. So if it's if the opportunity is there to be aggressive and make a trade that can help you be competitive next year, great. But not at the expense of dealing all these first-round picks that you acquired that could really help you in, in the long haul. Like, look, it might be good to be competitive next year and maybe finish higher in the standings because you made a move that helped you get to that point. But if it comes at the expense of taking away what you could be in two, three, four years, if you keep these picks, if you don't make that trade to to make it to the first round next year and bow out, I think that's the way he has to look at it. He's been smart about these decisions, and I wouldn't expect anything different. What's the area, JR, that they have to address the most in this offseason? What position or what area? Yeah, I think it's got to be defense and I'm not saying that anything will happen in that area but I think Doug Armstrong has to explore all those options and see if there's any takers out there for some of these guys I think it's a situation you look at Tory Krug and you look at Colton Preco and you look at some of these players you know can you get to that next level with them on the roster and if you can't are there any takers because we saw what happened this year with this defense. So I think that uh, if, if Doug Armstrong's making these phone calls, which he's been doing for months and months and months, and something comes together, I think that's the area where they need to change things. All right, JR, we're going to let you go so you get something to drink and start to clear that throat. All right, buddy? Yeah, sorry about that, guys. No, you're fine. Uh, you're the best, days, buddy. Yeah. No, we appreciate you. Thank, thank you. All right, see you guys. See ya. I have an update, by the way. Janet has texted in. It is truly Janet because it's her picture that we saw yesterday. And she says from the 314, no, I'm sorry, the 636, Yeppie is a good DH as well as Burley, but neither belong in the outfield. Of course, at least Yeppie is fast. Well, Juan's not the fastest of guys, Janet, but uh, go ahead and leave us a mic drop, especially for Anthony, and we'll we'll get that on the air. So she did leave us a mic drop about what she would have as a starting lineup. And maybe Ooh. we can play that before we do the lineup. I'd love game. to. Okay. Love yeah, to. We'll do that. Maybe uh, just tease it up. next. I'd love to hear from Janet. Got the sports six pack next. Oh, forget it. Let's do the sports six pack, please. <laughs> Question one, please. Sports <laughs> six pack next. I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. 
All right, time for the Sports Six back in the fast lane on 101 ESPN with Dan McLaughlin. I'm Anthony Stalzer. Here's Andrew Marsh. Go ahead, Dan. Question one, please. Yes, from the 314. Guys, can you give us your best Ken V impression? How does the Cardinals season end? Uh, too early to tell. I mean, it's way too early to tell. How does it end? Miss the playoffs. Well, you're already at a record of, let's see, you've got uh, the worst start to a season since 1960. They're 9-15, and 15, meaning that they'd have to play, oh boy, really good baseball. I mean, you're still 80 wins away from trying to get uh, 80 wins, and you've already played 24 games. Do the math. you got to pick it up in a hurry. Even though it's April, you still got to pick it up to where you're playing way better baseball than you have been. And at some point, you're going to have to go like 5 to 10 above 500 mm-hmm. to get in. So you've created quite a, uh, quite a hole for yourself, no doubt about it. Your pitching isn't good enough, as we know. And the offense was supposed to be the thing that you could rely upon, and you haven't. And things that we thought were guarantees, like the defense, are no longer. Yeah. This team, especially after the moves, crap moves they made today, will miss the playoffs. Question two, please. From the 636, does Jordan Walker's April give the front office pause when it comes to bringing up Mason Wynn? No. The two things shouldn't be connected. Yeah, I think they're totally separate. I can understand why you'd ask that. Two highly thought of prospects. Also, there was somewhat of a need in the outfield. He hit himself onto the team, not to say that Mason Wynn didn't have a very good spring, but you feel comfortable at this point letting him continue to develop. By the way, one of the things to consider, Jordan Walker has never played, at least I can't remember, I don't think he's ever played at AAA. He hasn't. Yeah. Nope. So go down, get the ABs, play every day, get better in the outfield, and then call him back up. I, I wouldn't anticipate this is a long stint for him in the minor leagues. I just don't think that's the case. You've already brought him up. You started his clock. You get down for a quick refresher. You know, one of the things I watch, he's hitting the ball on the ground a ton. Yeah. And for a guy that's supposed to be driving the baseball, I'm sure that's something they want to see. And the minute that they do, he's back up. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. Question three, please. From the 314, if the line is set at one and a half, would you take the over or under on complete games by a Cardinals pitcher this season? I'll take the over. Anthony? Yeah, they only got to get two. Yeah. Complete games are kind of obsolete now, but I, I do think you'll have more than yeah, I, two. You know what? The From what I've been told, the pros, the pros, they know the, they know the number. They bet the number. And that number's pretty low. Yeah. So I'll say I'll say over one and a half. Yeah, you'll get somebody out there that is dealing over 162. Yeah. Yeah. I now complete games seem to be a lost part of the game. I think it was a few years ago. There was like total of twenty seven. Mm-hmm. But um You should. Yeah, I I'll think you'll see one. By the way, this will frustrate Cardinal fans. Good. Uh let's see. Zach Allen. Is now pitched 27 and two-thirds scoreless innings. Leads baseball with 51 strikeouts, including a season-high 12 today. His last four starts, 27 innings, eight hits, no runs, 41 Ks. And that was additional uh, information because he pitched today. Hmm. That's domination. 
He's a, he's the early candidate night right now for the Cy Young. Man, it'd be nice to have a guy like that. Keep talking about, and I again, I get it. I get the trade. I get the trade at the time. I wasn't critical Just of the trade at the time, so I'm not going to be a hypocrite on this. But keep talking about the Randy Rosarina trade and the impact there and overlook the fact that you gave up what could have been your one and two. Yeah. And I, again, I get it. I get the Ozuna trade. I'm not, it's not about that. But we talk about the lack of the top end starting pitching. And Alcantara won a Cy Young a year ago, and Gallon, Gallon will probably win one this year. And I'm being face- somewhat facetious, somewhat hateful, and spiteful. I mean, he's the leader in the clubhouse right now in month number one. He'd be your guy. He'll be the pitcher of the month. Puts together a few months like this. He's on his way to winning it. No doubt. Question four, please. I think it's three. Fine. Five. Whatever. From the 314, <laughs> it's question number four. With 22,000 oh, plus strong, 22K strong at an exhibition game shows this is now a soccer town first question mark. No. It's a sports town. Yes. It's a sports town. It's a sports city. The best sports city in America. I say that uh, it just shows that if you put any kind of effort into trying to be competitive, and that includes with the Cardinals. They're going to draw a ton of people here, even if they go south. They'll still draw a ton of people. If you show any effort, people come out and support you. Yes, I agree. I mean, the Rams, obviously, when they were here at the end, tanked, and people knew it, so they said the hell with it. But Mm -hmm. if you show any – I mean, look at the Blues at the end of this season. Place was still packed. Yeah, They were done. And people here, I think, give you the benefit of the doubt, and they give you a little wiggle room. They understood it was a great run. You got to retool. I'll still support the team. I think that's what this town is about, sports-wise. Do you know what else I I think is absolutely critical? City was born here. That's a good point. The Battlehawks were born here. I think this this town, this city, more than the ones that I, I know and the ones that I, I know only through you know friends or family. From what I know about other sports cities in America, the reason why St. Louis, in my opinion, it will come out in droves. Yes, they yes we love sports, but if you were born here, sports or otherwise, you're untouchable. Yeah, I like that. Your roots are here. Mm-hmm. People get invested early people, on. People I think will... there's something to that. Yeah, I'm know, with th- you. This isn't this isn't an NBA city, but this is a Jason Tatum city. This is a, you know a Bradley Beal city. This is that you they will follow St. Louis's own. We Agreed. will follow St. Louis's own. Yeah, including Danny Mack and Andrew Marsh. Mm. Thank you. Question five, please. From the seven two zero, do you think the Cardinals are trying to showcase the players they want to trade rather than having Jordan Walker sit? They want to keep. Uh, they want to keep these guys playing. I think this is about getting Jordan Walker right, and that's it. And I think it's about that, number one, and also it's a shakeup. Mm-hmm. And they know they've got to shake things up because currently the way it's going, it ain't going to work. So I think it's a shakeup. But number one, getting Jordan Walker right, yeah. first and foremost. If they fall into showcasing players, okay, great. But... I don't think it's the I don't we're too we're too far away from the trade deadline. Sure. You're gonna have it even let's just say, let's just play this out. Even if Paul DeYoung or Tyler O'Neill are being showcased right now, 
they would have to stay hot until the deadline. Yes. We're too far away. So, no, I don't I don't think that's the case. Question six, please. Yeah, we're talking about this uh, town being a sports town. That means everyone loves the NFL as well, right, Anthony? Sure. From the 314, can we just ink the 49ers and Eagles in the NFC Championship game again? Yeah, probably. It's not going to be Marsh's Vikings. Oh, we, hold on now. We know the Cowboys are going to falter. Anthony? We know that. Well, yeah, no, we know the Cowboys won't win. Yeah. Why not the Vikings? Oh, Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. Kirk Cousins in the playoffs? Yeah. Kirk Cousins is a regular season. Nice noon game at home. Fine. God, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs for sure. Look at that division. Absolutely. Kirk Cousins, about 3.30 on a Sunday. Or, God forbid, a 6.30, 7.30 start in a playoff game. Ain't happening, man. Was that game Kirk Cousins' fault? Or was it the fact that it's never Ed Donatel was the defensive coordinator? Look, it's never mm. just Kirk's fault. Okay? Yeah. But when when you're throwing, when you need 14 and you throw three, it's it's part of the 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 bigger issue. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Game on the season on the line. You need 14. My man's gonna get you about two and a half. You throwing in a triple coverage or you throwing it to a guy that could break a tackle? I'm DJ throwing. Hawkinson. I'm throwing into triple coverage if it's beyond the sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And it was Justin Jefferson. Yeah, you're right. TJ Hawkinson isn't breaking nine tackles. In 13 yards. Anthony, I don't need you. My my, ba- you my favorite my favorite baseball you team asked. is not doing good. The Blues season over. I got to watch NHL playoffs with them not playing. Right. We just talked to Jr. Well, root for the root me back. for Matthew Kachuk. He's playing. Tonight. They're going to lose to the Boston Bruins. Probably, but you root for him. And now you're shoving this in my face. I certainly am. You're shoving it right in my face. You know it. And the Battle Hawks got eliminated. Well, whose fault was that? This week. He had every opportunity. Jeez. Kirk just, Cousins made a lot of money. Oh, he's made a ton. Wow. Yeah. He's a better business guy than he is a quarterback. I'm just thinking about that. You guys said that. Like, wow, he's made a lot of Damn money. Damn, silent for two minutes. Yeah, I did. He's Damn, looking up the contract a, of Kirk. Yeah. He's made a lot of money. Damn, he's made a lot of money. Holy, that's my uh, analysis of that situation. I like, I like that. <laughs> he's made that a lot funny. of money. That's Dan McLaughlin. That's Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. I thought I'd be cooled off on uh, the, the moves that the Cardinals made, sending Jordan Walker down. And, of course, you got to have Taylor Motter on this roster. What I, about the lineup? I, uh, if you bring him up, you put him right in the lineup? Yeah, probably. I mean, it makes sense. I'll tell you. I'm I, being serious. I think you do. I'm spiteful, and I'll tell you what I would do if I were, I were Ollie. That's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jordan Walker getting sent down. Well, I guess he wasn't the stud that uh, Mosellock uh, was selling us. I understand sometimes people need help, but Mosellock said he's the savior. I guess Mosellock is wrong. I mean, they never really sent Albert Pujols down, and Jordan Walker was supposed to be the new Albert Pujols. 
like Mosaloc said. Hmm. Just like Mosaloc said, our pitching staff was good. And this offense is good. Hmm. Was that Aaron? Yeah, that was Aaron, but it's giving me 618 vibes. Okay. Really? And I'm wondering, might have to do some investigative work here. Wondering if the two are the same. Could be. I don't think Mo ever said he was the savior. I, yeah, I here's the thing. Like I if we if we want to if we want to blame Mo for everything that's fine, but let's let's just make sure that he actually said what Ryan just said he did. I mean, I, he never called Jordan Walker the savior. Never said he was Albert Pujols either. No. No, we did a comp though. We said that he was could be as good as Aaron Judge. Well, the ceiling was the Aaron ceiling Judge. The ceiling was Aaron Judge. The floor, the was, floor was Mike, Mike Stanton, Stanton not sure. John Carlo. But no, Mike, Mike Stanton. Yeah. I did hear that when they looked at probably the last 20, 25 years of their prospects of hitters, he was in the top three. Talking about Jordan Walker. And mm-hmm. still is. I mean, he's going back down to the minor leagues and, you know, trying to get corrected of, of whatever they're seeing. But it was Pujols, Tavares, and Jordan Walker. Yeah. He's going to be fine. We're 24 games into the season. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that. No, I get it. It's it's disappointing. It's less reason to watch this dumpster fire right now because Jordan Walker is the future, and Jordan it Walker did make will it fun to watch him. Absolutely, yep. But I get it. What I would do though, because I'm a spiteful man, uh, Dan, Dan yeah. McLaughlin filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltz. Appreciate everybody joining us, by the way. If I were Ollie Marmol, I would put together my absolute worst lineup. Just throw it out there. like Just throw th- it out there. Put names in a hat and away you go. I got Paulie D starting at shortstop tonight. I've got Taylor Motter starting at uh, second base. I got an outfield that's consisted mostly of infielders, and I roll. I think so. Um, because then I can, I can say this is – I don't even have to say it. This is the roster that was given to me. But I thought some people said you need to have a stable lineup. Mm-hmm. Then I'll roll, it, roll with roll it tomorrow. Roll back it tomorrow. Yeah. Could just send out the same lineup they've been playing with, though. It's pretty bad. I would think that there are some guys that are really tight right now. Mm -hmm. And they're not at home, so they're not maybe feeling the vibe of the fan base right now. But there's pressure. I guarantee they're feeling it right now. Because this is a team that had a lot of expectations. You're 9-15. You're in a baseball city that loves it. Mm -hmm. And expectations are high, and they're not living up to it. No. And it's, it's a collective effort of not living up to it from the defense to the outfield that we talked about starting pitching hasn't been where you need it to be um yeah i mean a lot of different areas you look at have to improve for this team to win games i don't understand it's a fine margin right now dan you're gonna have to explain or, or just to help me with this the the decision to bring up taylor Motter or to bring back taylor Motter instead of juan yepes you're going to have to help me with this one So again, I don't get it. I, I get it to what you're saying. I think a lot of fans would say Juan Yepes, me included, by the way. Um, the only thing I can think of is that you give, you're you going to give DeYoung a run, mm-hmm. and Donovan and Edmund would play second base outfield. You're not getting a lot of production from your outfield. So maybe th- that would happen to where those guys are kind of inter- interchangeable parts at second base in the outfield. But uh, the focus will be on maybe, I'm not sure if this is right, but maybe giving Paul DeYoung a run. Did fine in the minor leagues, had a good first game. Off the bench the other day, pinch hit, got a base hit. 
and saying, okay, what do we have in him? Now, I know you can say we've been trying to do that for three years and figuring out what you have in him. Yeah. And he gets off to a decent start and then goes south. I get it. But um, you're trying to salvage maybe whatever is left with that. Again, I, I understand that some people say, come on. What are you talking about? I get it. But maybe that's the mindset of what they're talking about right now. Could be. I mean, that's the only logical thing I can think of. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, the, the, it it if this is the move that you make, Mater is there to give you, not there to come and play every day. He's there to give you a backup, mm-hmm. a reliable defensive backup to play in the middle infield. Now, you, you could make the case you already have one in Paul DeYoung. I understand that. So why not Yepes? The other part of this, though, is that you're going to move one of your guys to the outfield, play another one at second base, and Taylor Motter comes off your bench and Paul DeYoung plays. That is something to think about. Well, your defense... Right or wrong. Your defense has stunk. So you could say, all right, Jordan Walker's been sent down. Alec Burleson needs a break here because he's been struggling. And your outfield is some combination of Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newbar, and Dylan Carlson. But Dylan Carlson can't hit righties. So there's that aspect of it. But what about Tommy Edmond, too? Tommy Edmond. That's or, another one. Or Donovan. You know, Donovan, like you're saying, is in the outfield. So your outfield is some combination of Donovan, O'Neill, and Newt Barr. And in the infield, DeYoung, I guess, is inserted back in the lineup. But that, as from a fan perspective, I mean, it's incredibly frustrating. What about giving Edmond a little time here to regroup? He's had two costly errors that cost you the game. Yeah. Last two games. Now, again, that happens. You're human. You're going to commit errors. But maybe this is another thought process, too, is that, okay, let him let him get a little reset. Let's give DeYoung a little run. Put guys in the outfield. I mean, these are all options that sure. are on the table. I'd love to be in a fly in the wall, though, and when they're going through this because I'm with you. I think I would have given Yepes a little run here just to see what he could maybe spark in your outfield. Yeah. Maybe. So they got the Giants tonight. Again, we asked for your mic drops earlier in the show about your your frustrations. If you wanted to vent, you could do that. Where are you, though, moving forward here? We've gotten one kind of optimistic take, and the other ones are just kind of more in line with why they think, Dan, that the team is struggling. I was just thought of another thing, too. Nolan Gorman playing second base. I mean, that's another guy that you do have a little protection. If you wanted to play him at second, you could have done that, too. And Yepes would be your DH. Exactly. Thank so you. that's another option that they had on the table, too, but didn't do it. So it makes no sense that Juan Yepes isn't here. I Limited sense. I just see a bunch of different options, and mine would have probably been see what Yepes has and give him a run. Yeah. All right, let's hear from Nick. My biggest frustration with the Cardinals is similar to the Blues in that they've formulated a roster that if they all had career years, then they could compete for maybe a World Series or at least win the division. Whereas if everybody kind of had a mediocre year, you're going to be a terrible team like they are right now. And it's the same thing. Aside from Arenado, Goldie, and Contreras, and a couple of the pitchers, and even at that, none of them have long-established careers of success. A lot of guys were flashes in the pans like Carlson and O'Neill, 
but then you've got a number of rookies on the roster that you don't know what you're going to get from them, and I don't really know what the expectations were from Mozeliak with this starting pitching staff. I mean, these this, the whole pitching staff, they're all the starters outside of, outside of Jack, who once again was a flash in the pan, haven't had long, successful careers. They're number three starters on every other team in the league, and I don't really know what the what they were expecting from this. They should have gone out there and made some bigger moves in the division ended up being a lot tougher than what they thought, and now they're reaping the you know they're reaping what they sowed on that. I'll give you an example. Well, Brendan Donovan is an example. His on base percentage last year was three ninety four, and right now it's at three sixteen. So kind of a regression for him in year number two. And it's a valid point. You know, are are these young players going to live up to what they were doing? Um, talking about Tommy Evan Edmund struggling defensively. Now he has reached base in nine of his last twenty plate appearances. So. Mm-hmm. Do you want to sit him? I wouldn't, even though he's had two costly errors. But right. to the the point of the the mic drop of young players kind of regressing, I think there's something to that. And you were putting a lot in the, the basket of Jordan Walker here early on. You thought Donovan could be an everyday player, and he probably can be. But you, you're going to see some regression usually from year one. And yep. maybe that's happening right now. The other the other element though is if you don't if you don't go that route and you decide that you're going to go out in the, in the off season and and hey we're gonna we're gonna maybe add some some more pop or we're going to solidify things a little bit give us give us some more cost certainty unless you're adding Aaron Judge or one of the other top bats I mean the the guys that are going to make you know buku bucks. There was only one-year deals. A lot of the the money is off the books concerning pitching. I got to look a lot at my starting pitching going Certainly. into next year. So you know you got Michaelis, who is signed long term. Montgomery's a free agent. Flaherty, mm-hmm. Wayno retires. You know there's probably about seventy million coming off the books with those guys. Yeah, I, I would dedicate a lot towards starting pitching. Starting pitching can keep you in games. Absolutely. Even when your offense is going south, and right now there's just Starting pitching is okay, and then all of a sudden the offense is bad. Offense has a good day. Starting pitching isn't good. You made some errors, and you're falling behind a lot, yep. and that's a bad combination. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a fast line on 101 ESPN. If the lineup isn't out by the time we're, we do our next segment, we will, we will get into Joe's mic drop, and maybe we'll hear Janet's lineup next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, guys. We keep talking about how bad Goldschmidt are in auto hitting. So I decided to look up what Paul Goldschmidt did last season. He batted through the month of April. He had one home run and was batting 282. I'm pretty sure he has more home runs so far this season than he did last season. And the man won the MVP. That was Joe. He's he's right. The only thing I would say is if, if he's struggling... And we're, we've kind of focused, I, I believe, more on Nolan Arenado than, than Paul Goldschmidt, but we've included Paul Goldschmidt as well. If they're struggling, and you're talking about a team that, that has not played well, well, they're a part of it. Joe's right. 
Paul Goldschmidt's April last year wasn't great. He didn't start hitting until May. And then he took off, and he hit until right around the end of August, and then then the September slump hit. We're, we're bringing up everything here. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just one thing that has led to the Cardinals being in last place right now in the NL Central. Multiple factors. Talked about the runners in scoring position for the last couple of weeks. That being an issue. The lack of pop. That being an issue. The starting pitching, of course. Starting pitching has turned around a little bit, but now you got Stephen Matz coming up tonight. They're still 24th, I think, in collective ERA in baseball. There you go. We've talked about the home run. Teams, the Cardinals not keeping opponents in the ball yard. And yes, we've talked about struggles for individuals. Joe, you're right. Paul Goldschmidt a year ago turned things around immediately. I don't think starter historically in his career too. But Dan, I don't. I think the bigger point here is we you can't just focus in on one thing. No, no. This has been a collective start to this season that you, again you could look at. They don't steal a lot of bases. Thought they would with mm-hmm. the rule changes, and they get a lot of guys on. Their on base percentage actually is pretty good. Yeah, top five of baseball. Don't steal a lot of bases. Didn't make a lot of errors last year. When they have this year, it's cost them with nine unearned runs at costly times. Games one and two of the series against the Giants has proven that. Mm-hmm. Arenado, 139 in his last 10 games, striking out about 35% of the time. Teams are go- going after Goldie. He's 35 now, and 35 is usually not the age you're in your prime. Had a hell of a year last year, but maybe there's a, a, a look at decline this year. Who knows? Or he might just turn it on up, be the player that you think he's going to be. Mention Brendan Donovan. On-base percentage hovering around 300. Last year, right around 400. Dylan Carlson struggling against right-handed pitching. Tommy Edmond struggling against right-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. Ryan Helsley questionable on how he approached the, the final out of last night. List goes on and on, man. It's been a collective effort. Certainly. Collective effort. Did you get an email there, Marsh? I may have gotten an email. I can't hmm. believe that just played. Yeah, that's okay. That's all right. Hmm. You do your thing, Marsh. Okay? Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks, you just keep talking about this Cardinals team and how yeah. they're going to bounce back tonight. Well, and, I don't believe uh, that. End up winning the division. I don't believe that. Stephen oh. Matz, there's been no evidence of it. There's Who's pitching no, tonight? It's Stephen Matz. Oh, never mind. There's been no evidence that the, the turnaround is coming. Maybe for certain guys, sure. But I'm using my eyeballs right now. And my eyeballs are saying, Dan, that the Cardinals aren't doing anything specifically well yeah um by the way goldie's gonna have a big night okay i told you they're gonna win tonight you did kills de slafani that's gonna happen tonight so goldie's gonna carry carry this cardinals team tonight you betcha all right we will rally around tyler motter and we will play good baseball okay all right just heard from dick Vermeil. interesting on that one yeah okay so texted in actually no taylor so taylor motter in this case is kurt warner i think he could be (laughs) It's I, fans he, are going crazy over this. When he when Motter when Motter was designated for assignment, do we know if he stocked groceries at any point? Uh, we need to look that up. Okay, yeah, right. or played in the uh, arena league of some sort of baseball. Yeah, maybe he played like caps. A, like a he played in a softball team, adult softball. Exactly. Yeah, makes they sense. found him. Looked like a prospect. Mm-hmm. Brought him in. Why not? Uh, look at him now. Look at him. All right, so you guys talking about rally. that guy on the Pirates? No, that's <laughs> <laughs> what was that guy's name? What was that the was, guy's? What twelve years he was in the minors? 
Taylor Motter. Oh no, you're no, no, ta- no. oh you're talking about you're talking about the guy that 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 just came up yesterday. And the there Pirates. was another one that just Drew got called Maggie. up. Drew That's Maggie. it, Drew Maggie. And there was another one that just got called up. I can't remember the team, but he spent seven years in the minor leagues and was just called up. I love those stories. I think guys that hang on and do that. Remember John Nagowski a few yeah. years ago. Guys that do that, I I I admire. You yeah. know, they stuck with it. Absolutely, it was hard. A lot of bus rides, not making any money, and you still have a dream and you make it. That's grind, pretty cool. You, absolutely. You grinded it out, no question. Yeah. Now, we don't have the lineup, so can we play Janet's version of the I was just lineup? about to say, yeah, do you guys want to hear what she believes? Always. Should be the lineup? Yes. All right. Lo and behold, Dan, you've been asking for this all day long. Here it is. Thank you, Janet. Yes, I'd have Donovan play in the outfield. He's good out there. Okay. I'd have him, O'Neal, and Newt out there. Burlington is way too slow to be in the outfield. He needs to be a DH only. And in the infield, I'd have Gorman try him again at second. He seemed to do pretty good at it. And Tommy at short. That would be my lineup. I like Tommy at short. And I also enjoy Burlington Furniture. Isn't that Burlington Furniture? No, Co Factory. <laughs> yeah, the Burlington Co Burlington oh, Factory. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That Burlington, he's got a chance. You got to get back though with Jeff Albers, and Tony Larusso is not walking through that door. No, he's not. No, no, he's done. Yeah. So thank you, Janet. So far, we're 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 creating a team right now. We almost have a lineup. Uh, of course, we have C.J. Crown at first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arson Judge is in the outfield. <laughs> uh, Racer Thompson is in the bullpen along with Edwin Perez. We have Schoolboy Row as our second baseman. <laughs> Schoolboy Row gets me every time. Out in the outfield, we have Alec Burlington, and our hitting coach is Jeff Albers. And we have our manager. And our manager, Tony LaRusso. Yeah. yeah. I think it's pretty good. Wow. Yeah. We're like, a, I, we're like an expansion team. Janet didn't go after you, though. I was no, surprised she, at that, no, Marcia. She doesn't no. go after me. She doesn't she's go after me every she's, day. She's cooled down. She doesn't go after me mm-hmm. every day. Anthony, you don't know what you're talking about. Anthony, who cares what you have to say? I don't who like Anthony. Who cares what you think? She never said, I, I don't like Anthony. She says, I don't watch the games, and nobody cares what I have to say. I like Jamie's Instagram. <laughs> he does li- she does like Jamie. Yeah. Jamie, he is uh, an untouchable. Well, I, no question about it. Former athlete, you know, brings a lot of knowledge to fun, the fast lane. Fun guy. Sure he is. Yeah. Manford is icky. Yep, sure he is. Mm-hmm. All right, it's a fast line on 101 ESPN. We've got our biggest question of the day. Uh, I imagine Ollie, we haven't played the lineup game yet. I imagine Ollie, my version of Ollie right now is sitting in his office trying to figure out the absolute worst lineup he could put together so that he can go to John Mozeliak and say, this is your fault. That's, that's the way I'm Anthony, you don't it. watch the games. Thanks, Janet. Biggest no question problem. of the day next on 101 ESPN. Keith Law is a tool. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. I know you lead this ship, but may I interject? Always, Dan. Janet is texted in. 
Anthony, I just pick on you because you pick on Jamie and you used to pick on Duncan. I always figure if you dish it out, you can take it. Uh, normally, I would not take it out of the break, but I felt this was compelling enough to sure. present it to you. Yeah. I think Janet's 1,000% uh, correct. Is that I, right? I do pick on Jamie, and uh, I don't remember picking on Dunk, but I do. You should know if you did, because that could have been a physical altercation. Yeah, Dunk. Um, and you wouldn't have won. Dunk didn't take any crap. No, no he didn't. Jamie does, though. Jamie, uh, he he just kind of understands when I'm picking on him. That's just That's just what we do. So Janet is absolutely right. If if I'm going to dish it out, I, I certainly take can take it. it. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that in there. I apologize. I know you want to go to the next no. segment, but I felt it was compelling enough to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big Janet fan, you and don't... she sent us a picture. I want to get a shirt with her her uh, face. Right there on, on the your front. shirt. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. If you're going to pick on Janet's guy, Jamie, you better be prepared. And I'm prepared every single day. Yes, you are. You come ready to roll. I know that Janet at any point may absolutely roast me. She and, can strike at any point. Yep, and I just, I got to understand that. This is why I appreciate Janet, though. I texted her back and I said, hey, give us a mic drop. Bingo. Burlington. In. And that wasn't a sharp message mm -mm. either. She thought about it and yep. she talked about the lineup. All right, Put Marsh. time into it. Yeah, she did. Marsh, do we have a question of the day? Yeah, the question of the day has basically been from everybody. Why Taylor Motter over Again. Uh, Jordan Walker? But I wanted to bring up uh, some quotes from Ali Marmel that John Denton, who joined BK and Ferrario earlier today. Uh, so if anybody missed that, obviously you can go to the website, 101ESPN.com, uh, and check out their podcast. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tired Auto Centers. But John Denton tweeted this out, Ali Marmel saying on Jordan Walker, if there's something we feel like should be addressed, then it's going to require attention. Homers and extra base hits haven't come at the rate that he can. If you look at his ground ball rate in the minor leagues, it was above league average, and it's above league average here too. For as hard as he hits the ball, a lot more are going to get through. That still isn't anything near what he's capable of. This is a guy who hits the ball at the top of the league, so if he learns how to get it off the ground, there's a lot of extra base hits and homers awaiting him talked about it earlier too ground ball percentage is something that they're concerned with i can see that um i also see that he could walk into some power and some home runs and they're lacking that right now especially mm -hmm. the home run department i don't know it's it's curious it's it's i don't want to say it's a move out of desperation but it is curious it can't be a move out of desperation a roof out of desperation would be, you know, bringing up Jordan Walker when he was down. And, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I understand what you're saying, but this is just this is just a move. This is just a roster move. And to the question about, you know, why Taylor Motter? I don't know. I couldn't tell you outside of the fact that he's got photos on somebody. And Jan Juan Yepes doesn't. So that's why he's in Memphis. Sorry Janet, for being if, crude. If you put my pick on your shirt. You will get a bunch of hugs because I have a lot of friends. Oh, there you go. Thank you, Janet. Sweet of her. So you wanted to see Juan Yepes come up. Yes, I wanted Why to see Juan Yepes. Because I just picture you 
In the Janet shirt. With Janet's shirt. With her permission, maybe we could get those sponsored. Yeah. And put it towards the Dunk Scholarship. Oh, now I love it. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. Janet loves 101. Janet loves Anthony with her picture. Well, we should go... Janet loves Jamie. Okay. I think that would be more accurate. And But we'd still raise money for a good cause. Absolutely. Yeah. So you wanted to see Juan Yepes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I get it. I wanted to see Juan Yepes because... That would make lo- that would make logical sense if you're trying to figure something out with this offense. But maybe they're doing an, an addition by subtraction here, which doesn't really make any sense. But the concept would be we're just gonna we're gonna remove Walker. We're gonna send him down to Memphis. He does have to work on launch angle, hard hit, barrel rate. He's not until he does any of that. He's not gonna drive the ball out of the ballpark with any consistency. It's gonna stay on the ground. Okay, so you send him down to Memphis. Fair. But maybe it's a situation where we're not going to play Taylor Motter a lot, so we're having we're going to have an outfield that's going to be pretty consistent and stagnant, and we're just going to roll with it. But it does go back to the point, Dan, that we've been talking about virtually for the last week now. So, okay, you can pick out one lineup if you want, but it's got to they got to hit, they got to produce. I'm fascinated with the lineup tonight. I mean, <laughs> we don't I don't have it. I, I know. I'm fascinated with it. And you bring up Modder to give you protection with your middle infield. So, what do you do with your middle infield? You got two guys that can play the outfield and uh-huh. one that's designated as a shortstop. Yes. And that's Paul DeYoung. So, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm really curious how they go about this. Mm-hmm. Are we about to get screwed out of two lineup games? Because. Lineup comes out. Yeah, we tomorrow won't get it tomorrow before the show starts because yeah. it's an early game. Mm-hmm. I believe oh, it's tomorrow's a two, an early start. Two forty-five start, I believe. Okay, okay. so what? We got we got we got some time here. Let's. Why don't we just predict the damn lineup? How about that? Okay, we could. Let's let's predict it. All right. So you got Anthony Discofani on the bump tonight. He's a right-hander. I'm writing these down just in case we have to replay this. I'm, I'm going to do this too. Okay, okay. so tonight. Uh, Lars Nupar, I would predict, is leading off, Dan. Agreed. Newt. Okay. Newt. I'm going to go Goldie back in the two-hole. I agree. He's hitting close to 500 against him. I'm going to go Gorman back in the three-hole. Agreed. Arenado's your cleanup hitter. Agreed. Contreras, he's probably going to keep five, unless Contreras gets a night off tonight. Yep. If he doesn't, I'm going to go Contreras five. You good with that? Yep. I think O'Neal is six. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, this is where it gets interesting. I'm going to say Paul DeYoung. DeYoung, seventh. We're predicting, not not what we would do, but what we would predict. Then Donovan, and then Edmund. And Donovan's in the outfield. Where do you want him in? Right? Left? I, I don't understand why they keep putting weaker outfielders in, in right. I.e. Alec Burleson, Jordan Jordan Walker. To me, there's a there's more danger in right field, especially in San Francisco. So I would have Donovan in right, yep. and I would have O'Neal in, in left. left. That's I got that too. Or Newt in right and O'Neal in center. I don't love that. I don't think Tyler O'Neal is a natural center field fielder, even though that's I, that's kind of where he started. What about putting Edmund in the outfield? Give him a little mental break from the infield after a couple of tough nights and put Donovan at second base. Shake it up. That's fine, too. Yep. Interchangeable parts with those two guys. Yeah. 
So so we agree on this. This is our predicted lineup. Newt, Goldie, Gorman, Arnado, Contreras, O'Neal, DeYoung, Donovan, and Edmund. Yeah, that's what I got. So they're going to move. And the, and the reason why DeYoung is what what you had talked about initially. Why not bring up Juan Yepes? Because their thought might be, we're going to move Donovan or Edmund to the outfield. That's what I'm thinking. And then your protection is moderate uh, up the middle. And it gives DeYoung a chance to maybe get a little run here. Can I, I mean, that's you, the mindset, I think, behind the move that you do this with. Can I give you what I what I would have done? For sure. So, Newt, Goldie, Gorman at second. I was thinking that. Arenado, Contreras, O'Neal, Juan Yepes as a DH, then Donovan Edmond. I would put DeYoung in there and give Edmond a break. Okay, that's fine. Now, it's that's hard fine. to do that when Tommy Edmond has been on base what nine out of the last 20 times yeah and he's your only source of power right now <laughs> it's true he's got four home runs i say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek but somewhat i and i, I don't real. i mean i don't want to take him out of the lineup but costly airs mental break i don't know yeah happens also you want to get a guy back out there after he's committed a couple airs to ease it yeah guys just want to get right back out there hit the ball to me mm-hmm. let me get it what about Carlson? Where are you at with him? Uh, to me, he'd be in Memphis. Okay. But if they view him as a fourth outfielder, then he's a fourth outfielder. Need him defensively late. I'll make a defensive. Uh, your outfield right now doesn't necessarily need a late substitution. Nope, it so doesn't. Where would he be? He, well, for me, you know what I Memphis. would do? I would, I would then bring Edmund in to play second base. Donovan would go out and then... Carlson goes to the outfield. I'd rather have Carlson in the outfield than Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond, probably a little bit better of an upgrade at second yeah. base. That would be my move defensively. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Right. We did not have Burleson in the lineup. Burlington. Is, yes, Burlington. he is Burlington then? No. Hmm. He's struggling. All right. That's our predicted lineup because Ollie doesn't want to release the actual lineup. We'll wrap up the show next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Baseball. All of my successes depend on me. You ready to hit? The hits just keep on coming. And his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. All right, even though there is no lineup we're still gonna play beat the streak marsh go ahead and talk about some technicalities here just in case yeah so we're bringing tanner back and uh of course no lineup out yet like you just said so if we pick a player and that player it happens to not be in the starting lineup it will not count okay so uh i believe if that person pinch hits that's where we have to draw the line i don't believe that it should count because I don't believe any of us would pick a guy off the bench if that were to be the case. Fair enough. So, All right. Go ahead and update us, Mark. Yeah, Tanner is at four right now. Nice job, T-Bone. I believe I am at one. Let me pull this up real quick. All I know is that you and Dan mm. are at the old goose egg right now. You got, Good. You got it wrong. Mm. So you're starting Good. over. Your streak is seven, Stalter. Seven was your number. Well, it's zero now. It's the yeah. only thing that matters. All so. right, T-Bone, welcome back. Go ahead. 
Thank you. Uh, and if I make it to tomorrow, I'll try to pick someone a little more risky and fun. No, nah, we don't 27 care. At bat, 27 at-bats against these Lafani. He's got 14 hits. I know. You're going to hey, take, yeah, you're gonna so. take Goldie. He's hitting 519 against him. I can't pass it up. I know. You took mine. Thanks a lot. <laughs> T-Bone, you play the game to win, okay? Yeah, you do. So nice job there. All right, Marsh, go for it. Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to go with the – I'm just going to stick with my guy from, from last night, Wilson Contreras. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Contreras back-to-back, which means Andrew Kisner will play tonight. Probably. Dan. Newt. You got the Newt, huh? I got the Newt. Okay. You got something for that? Uh, I, <laughs> the Newt? Yeah. The Newt let me down yesterday. He did, huh? Yeah, I took the Newt. All right. I'm going to go Mike Yastrzemski. Yes. Are you serious? I'm going to go yes. Yeah, I'm going to yes. Are you kidding yes. me? I'm going to go yes. yes. Anthony, you don't know what you're talking about. I, I know that the pitching staff for the Cardinals is <laughs> not good right now. So I'll take a giant. The hell with you, Anthony. <laughs> Thanks, Janet. <laughs> All right, T-Bone, you got... Paul DeYoung, Marsh, you went Wilson Contreras. Probably Whoa. not. What? He said he had Paul DeYoung? I'm sorry. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt. That's right. <laughs> My bad. Hey, you're just. You're My bad on that. I'm just projecting good, good things. Th- yeah. Thank you, Dan. Yep. No problem. So, uh, Paul DeYoung is actually batting 250 against Dee Sclafani in 20 at bats. He's got a home run and four ribbies. For him, that's like hitting 500. Hey, 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 Come hey. on now. Are you serious? The King has Come on returned. now. All right. T-Bone, you got Paul Goldschmidt. My bad. Marsh, you got Wilson Contreras, even though he's probably not in the lineup tonight. Dan, you went with the Newt. Yep. And I went with Mike Yastrzemski for the beat the streak. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, T-Bone, we – yeah, we will be able to play it tomorrow. We can. We can yeah, play we tomorrow. we can play tomorrow. So, we'll uh, – if, if you get a hit tonight, if Goldie gets a hit tonight, T-Bone, we'll call you back tomorrow. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds good. I'll look for it around two or so. All right. Good man. Thank you. Right. We'll thanks, see you. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thank you. If you missed anything from today's show, make sure you download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobstar and Auto Centers. Dan and I will be back tomorrow here yeah. in the Fast Lane. Filling in for Jamie. This has been fun. This has been a lot of fun. A lot of Cardinals angst. But, yeah. hey, who knows, guys? Maybe they'll win tonight. You never know. Big I things. told you they're going to win tonight. You did. Big things are on the horizon, potentially, for your, your Redbirds. Now, yeah. they've made a series of moves. And if you missed those moves today, Jordan Walker was optioned to Memphis. And Taylor Motter, yes, that Taylor Motter, was brought back for absolutely no reason. What? So he's he was the subsequent move. We went over why this happened. And I told you, Dan, that I don't care. It should have been Juan Yepes. Yeah. Well. And it wasn't. It wasn't. No. So there you have it. All right, Marsh, you got some criticisms and some compliments? Yeah, well, we had something that I wanted to bring up, and I thought it was – here it is. So we get messages. Sometimes people send messages to our Google, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just the – or I'm sorry, to the text line. Not like actual text messages, but like video – like audio messages, but like we can't access them, but we do get funny – uh, like descriptions, like closed captioning of some of these. And we got one. I wanted to read it because I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, is my messages are my message is pretty quick. I don't know specifically blame 
our Elsley for the pictures. He's throwing. He's got to he's got to catcher behind the plate that's giving them what pictures that they bench wants to see. And mm. I think I saw a huge change in the team's attitude. After my mom and Tyler O'Neill had their little dust up, I haven't seen the same team since. Interesting. So it's like text a... Mm. You got to kind of connect the, the dots here. Yeah. This is like a puzzle. It's like basically. a puzzle. Yeah. So who got the dust up? O- so O'Neill and, and Ollie? <laughs> well, it says, I, yeah, Ollie. So Marmol and Tyler O'Neill. Ollie Marmol, but it, it read as after my mom and Tyler O'Neill had their little dust up. I haven't seen the same team since. Wow, I didn't. I didn't hear so, about anybody's mom. I didn't and either. Tyler yeah, O'Neill no. and Ollie getting into a dust up, or anything else for that matter. But that's interesting. Yeah, we appreciate the text nonetheless. That's interesting. Yeah, interesting. Appreciate all the text. Absolutely. Yeah. Huh. Uh, from the three one four, good choice, Anthony. I would go with the opposing team as well Thank to get you. ahead because it seems like anybody can hit Cardinal pitching right now. That's the thought process. Absolutely. Thank you. Yep. By the way, Janet said she just received 10 orders for one of those T-shirts. <laughs> That's quick to get those 10 orders. Well, she said she's she's got a lot of friends there. Yeah, she did. It doesn't surprise me at all that they're already calling her to say, hey, where do I get my Janet face T-shirt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We should do that. I'm dead serious about it. Mm-hmm. I bet it sells. Maybe like a quote on the back, too. Exactly. Yeah. Or different quotes, if we could do that. Like the top 10 list? Yes. Like Letterman top 10. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to end today's show from the 636, I guess I'm smarter than everyone at 101. I said Walker should go to the minors and wasn't ready after a horrendous second half of spring training. Not surprised. He needs to play every day. Yeah, oh, the- he also had a great start to the season, too, though. Well, let me address that first comment there saying that you're smarter than everybody at 101 ESPN oh, true I mean one you yes I don't even know you I don't know if I and lay claim to that though and right exactly not that's my point our standards very high it's not Dan it's not no all right for uh Andrew Marsh and Dan McLaughlin I'm Anthony Stalter good job Marshy good Thanks, job Marshy indeed instant replay coming up right now here on 101 ESPN see ya You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.